What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. And, you know, we've brought you a number of interviews, season previews, watch lists. But on this episode, we got another interview. And it's not with a player. You know, it's with a member of our own here in Gideon. Gideon, welcome to the show here. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Glad to be on. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in case you don't know Gideon, you know, he... He has definitely helped us out a lot throughout this last year and going into this next season as well. He is one of our interns here. Uh, Giddy, do you want to, I guess, tell a little bit about yourself? Just a little intro, just a little intro in case nobody has officially, you know, heard about you or know what's up with you here. All right. Well, uh, yeah, my name is Gideon. I uh, I graduated from Manitou Springs High School, uh, class of 22, Sco Stangs, you know. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, and uh, I decided to go up to Colorado State for broadcast journalism. So that's ultimately the direction that I want to go down, more of a play-by-play, kind of like a Mike Breen type of thing, ideally. (laughs) I like uh, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or like a a Kevin Harlan would be fun, too. (laughs) You can't go wrong with the classics, I got you. Yeah, those guys are really, are really cool. I I will say though, I was, I was pretty sad when I heard that Jeff Van Gundy was gonna be one of the guys laid off at ESPN. Because actually, really? yeah, I, talk I, about that. Well, why, why? Well, I mean, I know he's a, you know, he's been a mainstay, but you know, I want to hear your reason though. Well, when we're looking at it, a lot of the analysts on ESPN or on TNT are either guys who like stopped playing like college or high school or guys who played themselves. But when you have those former coaches on like the Van Gundy brothers or like Doc Rivers is probably going to be this upcoming year, it gives you that completely new perspective of how somebody from the sidelines who has that type of experience from the game sees the different things going on and like how they would analyze like a player reacting badly to a call and how you're looking at it from here's what I would do to make sure that player is in the right headspace for what we need to be doing next. So, so looking at it from that angle is something I've always been interested by. And so, I mean, I know we're probably going to see like the Van Gundy takes on Twitter, but yeah, yeah it'll be, it'll be different without, uh, without Jeff there. Hey, fair enough, man. Fair enough. And so, uh, you know, we've been really happy to have you here, obviously on the show and on the podcast. But on this episode, you know, uh, this is just an opportunity, man, to talk with you and, you know, just get all your thoughts out there before this upcoming 2023 season here. Because, I mean, there's a lot, you know, going on in the state of Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the box... Uh... The box has a lot of people thinking outside of it, if you catch my drift. And yes. <laughs> th- this offseason has been full of so much, ter- like, so much turmoil and so- just so much going on that I really, some of these, like, teams are going to be impossible to predict what's going to happen with them next year. And, I mean, unfortunately, there are always going to be the teams where you're like, okay, I know exactly how your season's going to go for the wrong reasons. 
but <laughs> but, <laughs> but the majority of the teams in the state you're looking at them and you're like I could see two-thirds of the teams in this division being playoff teams if the chips fall right, but I know that's not possible. Yeah, but it looks good. It's good parody, right, on paper, but it comes down to getting it done, right? 100%, yeah. It comes down to who can stay healthy, who doesn't have suspensions, who transfers, what coach hires or fires happen. It just comes down to all those little variables, like what a a player ate for breakfast that day. Yeah, no, it'd be like that sometimes to do. But here, before we go into all of that, you know, talk about football and all that great stuff, you know, we got some intro questions here, man, since, you know, technically I am interviewing you here, even though you are part of the team here at, uh, you know, Playmakers Corner. But, you know, we ask everyone these interview questions, right? So right. We, we, I mean, you know, we, we can't make an exception. And uh, there are some guys that we've had on the show multiple times. They've only had to answer it once. So, uh, let's let's answer those two questions, or let's have you answer those two questions, right? Um, and there's only two, so you know it doesn't have to be super long, unless you want it to be. But I guess number one, and I mean you'll you'll have to go back to your playing days, or I guess you could talk about intramurals too if you did that in college. But you know, what's your favorite sports memory as an athlete? And you know, this really could be any sport here. Well. I'd have to say that was the last baseball game I ever played. Okay. Uh, uh, tell, tell us why. So it was actually the best game I ever had. So the uh, the day before at practice, I uh, coach Archuleta, he had brought in an, a guy who used to pitch for Manitou. I, f- I forget his name, but he was pitching at, I want to say, Western. And he drilled me right in the arm. And so I... I go take a take a minute because you know this is a D two college pitcher with a fastball to the arm. Yeah, yeah. And the next at bat, I go up and I ding it past the uh, past the equipment shed and uh, about halfway down the length of the batting cages, and I could just feel okay. Tomorrow's going to be special. Okay. And so the next day, um, don't play the first game of that doubleheader against Buena Vista, who. We played them to open the season, but we had lost 21 to zero in the third inning of what was supposed to be a nine inning game. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. that's tough. I yeah. got you though, yeah. But we'd won that first game of the of that day's doubleheader. We won that like 14 to five, and then the second game, I I start and I go up to bat for my first at bat. Two pitches come, fine, whatever. The third pitch comes, and it hits like the top of my helmet. But the umpire thinks it hit the bat, so he tells me to stay to stay at home plate. And then the very next pitch, that one also hits me in the head, <laughs> but it but it glances off of the uh, off of the cheek guard. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Dang, well, what's up with this picture? (laughs) That's what I'm, like, looking back on it, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking, you know, if I was one of the more hot-headed guys on the team, that picture probably (laughs) probably would have gotten a punch. He hit you with the head twice. No, yeah, I got you. But I was just looking at the the ump, and he was like, and eventually just said, okay, go go to base. And I I actually ended up uh, stealing 
stealing two bases and uh, scoring a run on that uh, on that trip around. And I were I would have scored a second, except okay. So I actually got a hit the next time I was on. I was the next yeah. at bat, and I got a hit, RBI single. Get to second, get to third, and when I was like five seconds away from touching home, uh, the the guy who hit it he got tagged out at first. So ended up, uh, but yeah, that was the. <laughs> I know that's not a, much of a best game I ever played, but it was one hell of a way to go out. Yeah, no, I I like that though. That's really nice. That's definitely that's 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 really interesting. I'm gonna have to ask Gino. Um, what he thinks about that story because I know he also played baseball, which is really it's kind of ironic, you know. We covered football here, but two of our interns were mostly baseball guys, but it works out, right? So, no, that's definitely interesting there. Well, then the other question I think, uh, there might be a lot of answers to, but I want you to really think about the first one that comes to mind here. But what's your favorite like sports memory as a fan? This could be any sports, and I mean, honestly, Denver has been really spoiled lately, winning all these championships, so I'm sure there's plenty to choose from there. Yeah, um, th there are a couple that I can think of. I'm, I'm going to go top three here. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so number, so no particular order, but first is the, uh, is the Nuggets championship, a couple of, uh, couple of months ago uh, I was actually able to go to the championship parade and I got one of those shirts that said uh, F around and find out <laughs> be I'm a nugget <laughs> what? they were throwing out shirts that said that well they weren't throwing them around but Michael Malone had one and I managed oh, to okay. find a uh, well not really a scalper because they custom made the shirts and apparently right, threw right, one yeah. to him but that was really fun. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It has to be up there, I feel. Yeah. And then another is uh, is my senior year. Um, I had I was the manager for the basketball team, and I had to miss that for uh, for national or for national qualifiers because I was doing speech and debate as well. And. I was sitting in my grandparents' living room because I had to miss the first round of the playoffs. Uh, and they were up at Resurrection Christian, so I couldn't even drive drive up when the when the tournament was over because national qualifiers were at Discovery Canyon. <laughs> right, right. Not, Yeah, so I'm sitting at Grandma and Grandpa's house, and we're going up against Middle Park, who were the 11 seed. We were the 22 seed that year. And we're down like eight with three minutes left. And my man, John Maynard, he uh, he gets bruising down in the paint. He gets an and one and then hits a three and all of that. And all of a sudden it's tied at, yeah, it's tied at 51 with five seconds left. And we've got the ball. And so Coach Vec, uh, who really look up to that man, but he draws up a, an inbounds play that ended up resulting in my friend Lairdon, who he ended up playing in the All-State game uh, his senior year. But Lairdon ended up hitting a three at the buzzer to to upset Middle Park. Dang, okay. And That's hype. I mean, basketball buzzer beaters are always hype. 
yeah. Yeah, like that that was just awesome. And like when it came down to it, I was it it kept my dream alive because I wanted to have that like I didn't care if we lost. I just wanted to be there for our last game. Um it didn't end up working out. Uh, we were up like 20 to 6 to Resurrection Christian, but they had I mean, they ended up making the championship this year, so they they're good. And so they yeah. ended up coming back winning by like 5. And but it was one hell of a night. <laughs> okay. No, I got you. Did you have a third one as well? I do have a third one. Go ahead. You got it. Which which was really what got me into high school athletics to begin with. Which, uh, it's kind of ironic, because soon I'll be going to school with, with, uh, with the guy we were playing against. So this one... N- now, before I say this, the, uh, the fo- Manitou's football championship, my junior year, is fourth. But nothing in my mind beats the hype of beating the Gatorade Player of the Year at home to win the league championship. <laughs> And so for basketball, my sophomore year, that's exactly what happened. Because we were playing, we, we were undefeated in the league. We'd beat St. Mary's, we'd beat La Hunza, we'd beat Lamar. James Irwin and Trinidad aren't really much to uh, to flex about, but we'd beat them too. Yeah, no, I got you. And all that we had left was the Vanguard School. And they had Dominique Clifford, who he was playing at Colorado, now will be at CSU. And I was like, oh, it'll be an easy win. And all of a sudden, we're the ones that are down, uh, I believe it was 18-4 to in the first quarter. Uh, Dominique Clifford uh, has one of those dunks where, like, he's, you got nut sweat on your forehead (laughs) type of... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I got you, yeah. Yeah, and everyone in the crowd, like, we're still being loud, but I thought the game was over. And then all of a sudden, my man Joey Allen, uh, Caleb Allen, you remember him, but he's yes. he's Caleb's older brother. And okay. then Joey, he hits a couple of threes. Joa Armour hits a few. Isaiah Thomas gets cooking. Grayson Bodor, he ends up scoring a few. And all of a sudden, it's an overtime, and then we win by five in OT. Uh, it would have been more, but we, uh, but uh, somebody fouled a three-point shooter <laughs> with like two seconds left. Which it's not the greatest look, but not it's the, a win, right? Yeah, it, and and that was just so damn hype. Uh, we ended up losing in the district tournament like a week and a half later, but it was still an insane memory. <laughs> oh, I got you. No, that's definitely big time. Um, this is a little bit, I guess, off script here, but do you have a favorite CSU sports memory yet? I know you've only been there one year. But, uh, well, in my first year at UNC, I definitely had one. So I, yeah. I just figured to ask you that real quick. Well, my favorite CSU memory is more one that uh, that I had in hindsight. Because at the time, it was a really, really good game. But in hindsight, it only gets better. And it's when we were playing San Diego State in, uh, in the regular season. And... Wait, what sport is this? Uh, in basketball. So oh, okay, this was, I got you. So, yeah. so this was the national championship game, San Diego State. Yeah, dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And Go we're ahead. down and we're down by five in regulation. And we end up, and I remember very vividly, because I was in the section right behind the basket where this happened. 
and San Diego State's center, like the Mountain West defensive player of the year, like center, who's like 6'11", goes for a dunk. And 5'11", Isaiah Stevens runs up and strips it from him to, uh, to like, maintain the lead. Uh, not maintain the lead, but to keep it a, a one-possession game. And just that moment where everybody was like, like, everybody who saw it, we knew, okay, San Diego State's going to challenge it, but they're going to fail. <laughs> and we were, like, we forced overtime against San Diego State. It ended up losing still. But just that we were able to get to that point against the team that ended up making it to the national championship, you love that. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. That's definitely a good memory, um, which is ironic because my favorite uh, UNC memory is a basketball one as well for my freshman year. But I definitely get that. So that's definitely big time. Um, yeah. All right. Well, okay. Here we should probably start getting into football here. You know, we, we've done our intro, which is cool. You know, we gotta you gotta get the people to know you a little bit more here, right? Um, in case they haven't, because I know. So here's here's let's let's kind of set the stage here. So you do go to college up at CSU. So most of the games you do attend are in northern Colorado, right, Gideon? Yeah. Yeah. So most of the stuff that I was able to go to, I tried to like make it the, like if you draw a radius around Fort Collins, like the farthest out that I went was Westminster, but that's because my alma mater was playing Prospect Ridge. And outside yes. of that, the furthest I went was was uh, Greeley. Well, actually no, the furthest I went was Kersey because Kersey is oddly farther out than Greeley. But yeah, so that that's the farthest out that I went for a game outside of the championships and that one outlier. Um, and and this year I'm gonna try to do some of the some more of the schools around like I-25. So right now I'm eyeing games that have Thompson Valley, uh, Resurrection Christian, Loveland, uh, Roosevelt. I'm gonna make it out to one of those Severance because like looking. It was only like halfway through the season that I realized how close Severance was. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, they're basically closer than Eaton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're they're much closer than Eaton. So I'm gonna, yeah. Like I, I remember, I went to this one uh, chicken place, uh, Backyard Bird, and uh, and all of a sudden I see a couple of guys wearing. Uh, all I see on their shirt is the is the word football, and I'm like, oh, who who you guys play for? Fossil, uh, Timnith, and they're like, now nah, we play for Severance. And I'm like. Okay, <laughs> so that was kind of a kind yeah. of a weird encounter in the wild. <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah, but regardless, I mean, you do go to most of, or well, this is kind of the part of Colorado we've assigned you, uh, which is the northern Colorado part, which obviously myself and Cody, we have a lot of connections there because we did go to college there. Uh, Cody coached up there. I taught a little bit up there over at Eden for uh, like a year, basically going into that pandemic year so you know the connections are pretty strong that we've passed that off basically over to you and you've done a good job you know really covering a lot of those teams up in fort collins especially in fort collins like rocky pooter uh fossil as well as some of those smaller squads as well like platte valley and uh those Greeley teams too which is absolutely huge because well for me i live in the springs and that's at least a four-hour drive round trip and so 
uh, when we first did this, I used to make those trips. Like, it'd be like a Thursday night. And I used to make that trip up to Eden. And I'll never forget. The first trip I went up to Eden to go watch them play against Sterling. I thought it'd be a close game. And it was my birthday, too. And I know I knew some of the athletes kind of knew that. Oh, and no. they absolutely slaughtered them. Uh, <laughs> like, it was like 45. It was, well, okay, not 45. It was like 30 plus to zero. Like, at the start of the second quarter. And, and this was prime Eden. And so I'm like, whoa, dang, man. So uh, we left. Oh, and our friend who was a college coach was there scouting, too. So he, so we left without him. But he stayed. So that... I don't got to do too many of those trips anymore. And, I mean, it's not as bad for Cody. That's like a whole hour and a half less for him or whatever. So we definitely are appreciative of you for that. But there's some good football up there, man. Um, And you know that, right? You know that there's great football. Let's talk a little bit about it. You know, what were some raw reactions to last football season here? You know, I know it was your first season covering football for us and whatnot. And, you know, you got the privilege of covering a lot of really good teams up north. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, like, the the first game that I went to was Poudre versus Castleview. And and it's kind of funny because until I got to the school, I was saying it Poudre. <laughs> oh, I, that's very – no, that's very natural. I did, too, when I first got up there. But I was qu- quickly corrected, as yeah. I'm sure you were as well. <laughs> I, well, it's more. I heard I, like when I uh, when when I called them to act, to ask like make sure what field it was at, because uh, you know you never want to be the guy that shows up to the wrong field and then you have to like go through a mini quest to figure out where it's at. Yes. Which, by the way, if if you guys like for for anybody listening, if you're scheduling games at a different field outside of your school. Put it on the max preps where that is, for the love of God. <laughs> yes. And that, hey, that's an option. Don't act like it's not, but that's definitely an option. Uh, anyways, continue. But, so I went to that, and I was just blown away, because, like, looking at just, okay, so when I first saw how insane some of these games could be because like i went to manitou and most of the stuff at manitou was either was a blowout one way or the other there were a couple of really close games but most of them were one way or the other because we were either really really good in that championship year or okay at best (laughs) otherwise right right and so all of a sudden i'm at this absolute slugfest between what turned out to be one of the better teams in the state and one of the worst teams in the state and I was just blown away. And then the next week, uh, I believe the next week is when I ended up going to that Wellington-Sterling game. And Wellington just blew him out of the water. And then the Wellington-Timnith game, which was extremely entertaining. And it's just like, I mean, even the blowouts that I went to the last year were pretty entertaining. Um, like, okay, well, a couple of them weren't. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Okay, listen, Joel, uh, shout out to Joel Lopez at Fort Collins, and everybody at Fort Collins, really, but that game was not nearly as exciting after after Griffin Dackness went down. That was just sad. Yeah. Uh, Fort Collins versus Columbine game. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. like, cause like, 
it, it was actually tied, and it felt like Fort Collins kind of had the upper hand until Griffin Dacness went down. And it was a non-contact injury, too, so I just felt bad for him. And then uh, and then Columbine won, like, 56-0. <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be like that sometimes. it yeah. do. But no, I got you. Um, but a, go a lot of really good people up there, that's for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Northern Colorado is really fun, honestly. And there is quality football, and honestly, you do get to see a pretty good amount of guys who will go on and play football on the next level, which is always exciting. I know Fossil Ridge had a, a couple of guys there in uh, Kubat, Trek, and their other receiver. I don't know why I can't think uh, of it. Matt Lestead? Yeah. yeah. And, and then Dominic Leone as well and uh, Bryce Olson. Yes, yes. Uh, all those guys, as well as having, you know, a Gage Ginther, who is an SEC lineman uh, or, you know, committed to go to an SEC school, which is big time, right? So, yeah. you know, you get to see a lot of those. Uh, you also got to see Ethan Thomason, you know, one of the best tackles we've ever seen play football, which is always special, you know, and plenty more, right? And plenty more. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, that, those are obviously really fun here. I do want to ask you, though, so, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, I guess, this last season, but I guess let's talk about the state championship games uh, slash playoff games because those are a different vibe here. Let's start with the playoff games. You know, what, what was the first playoff game you went to or what were the playoff games you went to? And I guess which one was the best one in your honest opinion here last season? Well, I feel bad because, okay, so the first playoff game that I went to was Windsor versus Bear Creek, which was a really really fun one uh, but both quarterbacks were injured yeah but it was still like a high octane like even down to the fourth quarter it felt like anybody could win um but about halfway through that game i started feeling really crummy and i thought that it was the it was the food that i picked up before the game but it turned out that i had just had like a really bad case of tracheitis <laughs> and oh, so I, yeah that's right my bad i almost forgot about that nah, it happened good. really early on yeah and so the only playoff games i was able to go to in person because like i i would have tried to go to that mountain vista rocky mountain game but the only ones i was able to go to was windsor bear creek and the championships <laughs> huh i thought okay so well you at least went to the one okay yeah. Dang, I was also out. <laughs> I was also out for uh, early on there, so we were a little short staff. But okay, well then let's just talk about the state championship games. Um, let's talk about the one A one, right? Lyman versus Ray. Uh, I don't know if you. I don't think you were able to get on the recap episode. Cody just read off some of your notes, which is what we do sometimes, just because it's easier. But, you know, what were your initial thoughts about that game? I believe that was the first time you've seen either squad play. Is that correct? It was, yeah. And uh, I will preface this entire section with this. I still think Tell Wade should have won that game's MVP award. I don't care that he lost. <laughs> he was no, still I... the best player on the field both ways the entire time. <laughs> no, he was it... tough. That one, like, little sack he had... Uh, on the blind side near the end of the half was nasty. I, I still think about that, and I'm like, that is <clears throat> one of the better highlights that I've ever seen. And, and he's a deep line guy. Yeah, yeah, he's... 
he's a he's a lineman through and through, and I hate that I'm gonna have to root against him because he's in the in the poo and pee colors now at Wyoming. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah, he is though. He he seems like a good dude. Uh, Lyman, though, it is really hard to understate how dominant they are. Like, they're uh, overstate. I mean, like they they were like they were down what like twenty one to ten, and then ended up winning real big. <laughs> and yeah, I was, it didn't look good at first, for sure. Ooh, that that was the first taste of Lyman that I've gotten because I've seen. I, like I've seen teams that Rays beat, I've seen teams that Lyman has beat, but just to think about what it takes for those two squats, because I thought that Wiggins was going to make it to the Final Four, and I was like, damn, okay, whichever team, uh, or to the championship that is, and I'm like, okay, whichever team beats Wiggins is going to win, and that turned out to be Ray, and I was like, okay, Ray's probably gonna pull this out now i'm thinking about it and lyman just came out in the second half of that game and destroyed him yeah i mean they came out shooting and that is kind of just a testament to how great this coaching staff is over there because they've had a lot of turnover like don't get it twisted they've had a lot of turnover i want to say this squad maybe the lion is a little bit more experienced but there really wasn't anybody with more than two years of varsity experience which i feel like is like you know on par with most teams but that's i mean it was hard to do plus i mean like you said ray kind of had them in a tough spot and lyman just kind of clawed and clawed their way out until they were on top and then it was just the sledgehammer shoebarth and the line going at it right mm-hmm. they were just slinging it <laughs> like like that it it seemed I mean, I know that Lyman lost in the championship the year before, and I, yeah, no, losing in, like, I've lost in the final four, and that's not a feeling that I ever want again. Like, that realization that you, that there may have been something that you could have done to make sure that the guys who will never play again, uh, or an an organized game at least, like you had your chance to make sure that they went out feeling good about themselves. And now that memory of their playing career might potentially be tainted by we weren't able to, we weren't able to finish in the most critical moment. And I know that they had that sting in their, in their hearts still. And they were able to harness that and get retribution. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I mean, that's that's what the Lyman legacy is all about. So that's definitely a fun team to look forward to. Ray was a good team, too, though. I mean, they definitely made it there for a reason. They had their chance. It just it just got away. You know, that's I mean, that's how it goes. You know, you got to play four full quarters, but... Yeah, no, that was a really good game. Uh, I think we were all very happy with how that game went. Um, the last two 1A championships have been really good because when Suntari won it uh, the year before, they were nicknamed the Fast Break Falcons, and they were really exciting to watch against the linemen. So, yeah. you know, go figure there. But, yeah, well, moving yeah. on, I know it, this is 
or sorry, did you have something to add on here? Oh, well, one last thing is uh, that my dad, my dad really liked that game as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He was there with us. That, I mean, that was a good one, if any, to be at, right? Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, that, that was probably one of, uh, of the games that I saw that year. Yes, no, for sure. Well, the next state championship game wasn't as fun. Uh, for me, it was really fun, but for sentimental reasons. But it was Eden versus Delta. Do you want to talk about, I guess, thoughts after that game? Because I know that was a pretty, I mean, you know, it, it kind of solidified the Eden dynasty more than anything. And I think at that point, I don't know if there was a better team than Delta to be in that state championship. Uh, yeah. I guess maybe you could throw in TCA, maybe. But I, I mean, you know, the TCA had their chance and came up short, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I am glad that TCA finally made a deep playoff run. Yes. Um, honestly, I feel I, Eaton like they had a tough path. Like they did have to go through some good teams. They had to go through Basalt. They had to go through that upstart. Uh, which was it? Was it Rifle or Montezuma Cortez that made the final four against Eaton? I want to say Montezuma Cortez. Yeah, oh really. my gosh, hold up. How come I can't think of who it was? Wasn't it? I, I thought it was someone like, uh, like, or no, the Academy of Boston University. Here, yeah, I can look that up real quick while you uh, continue to talk. Yeah, but regardless, like, they were able to take down a real upstart team that had beat, uh, either way, they beat Florence and Elizabeth. Uh, I had Florence in the Final Four against Eaton. And, I mean, Delta, they earned their stripes as well, taking down TCA. I'm just really disappointed with how that championship went, because when you have a quarterback like Ty Reed, and you don't even let him get a chance to get his arm going in a state championship game, like, he had one pass in the first half. It was a... It was... Not a Hail Mary, but it, it was basically like a Hail Mary, uh, four verticals type scheme that you'd find on fucking Madden. Yes. And, and like, that was an interception, and then they didn't have him throw again until, like, five minutes left in the third quarter. And I'm like, okay, what... Now he's not going to have a rhythm. You have him in the champ... Like, this may be the only time that you guys make the championship. Odds are that's what's happening. And granted, I like Connor Workman. He's a good player, but they're going to zero in on him the second that they notice that you're not going to your all-state caliber quarterback. <laughs> like, yes. Also, by the way, it was Montezuma Cortez that they beat. Okay. Well, Montezuma Cortez is a good squad, but like, it, the game was entertaining. It doesn't help that it was so cold that my teeth were <coughs> chattering. <laughs> yes, but, we had the hand warmers and every. It wasn't like we weren't prepared either. Like we had the hand warmers. We spent like most of the time leading up to it in a pizza shop across the street. So you know we were fine for the most part. Yeah, but yeah, sometimes we were... there's just not much you could do about Colorado in December. So yeah. Or November. Regardless, it was it was not exactly the the warmest of experiences, and and, and like looking at it as a whole, it was like it, it was a good experience, but it wasn't as good as the like of, of a watching experience as the one A game 
But I mean, in terms of what it meant for Eaton as a whole, I mentioned it in my preview, but they're only, I want to say the 13th team in Colorado history to 3P. I went through and counted. And honestly, most of those teams are six-man and eight-man teams, so they're the seventh uh, 11-man team to do it, which is really a historic feat, and they did a really good job with that. But yeah, I, I feel like Delta kind of blew their chance. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair to say. Uh, they should have do it more. I mean, because the final score was 21 to 10. So at that point, I mean, if you score two touchdowns, you win. And I know it's easier to say that out loud than do it. But I mean, there you go there, you know, and obviously even they were running at the clock, you know, in that second half there, they kind of knew like, hey, let's just not mess around. Let's just hammer this thing. And so it was a whole rotation between, uh, you know, Ryder walker d'angelo all those guys out there right so i guess that kind of contributed contributed to that as well but yeah i i would have to agree if you're down to i mean you kind of just gotta trust your quarterback to you know do what he can and if it's not the best looking it is what it is right and you know i guess that's just something they're gonna have to learn from moving forward like i said for me this was definitely more sentimental because a lot of the seniors on the squad were like the first group of kids I ever like taught. You know, I remember teaching a lot of them as freshmen, teaching a lot of their siblings and, you know, seeing them run around as well, you know, run around Eden, uh, the old building that was or that. Yeah, that was. So it was, you know, entertaining for me. I know Cody felt the same way as you, though. So there's yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, a couple last things uh, when when Manitou played in the championship, like, we lived and died by Caleb Allen, even though he had a torn ACL. And I feel like we probably could have seen a similar performance at a tie there. And then the last thing, Morgan, if you're listening to this, if you need anything when you're at CSU, let me know, because I cannot wait to see you in the green and gold. Like, goddamn boy. <laughs> like that. There you go. But 30 tackles for loss your senior year. That is going... I'm going to call it now. By his junior season, Morgan is going to be all-conference. All-Mountain West. Okay, okay. I would obviously love to see that, but he's been a stud. So, you know, definitely understandable. But, yeah, well, that was that championship game. Uh, you would go to two more, right? 4A and 5A. You want to talk about those two? I don't know if those were super exciting, but or as exciting as the 1A1, I guess. But if you want to talk about those, go for it. I mean, they, they weren't, I mean, they, they were exciting, yeah. But my thing is that, and this is kind of something that I feel is going to actually be better at Canvas, uh, Canvas Stadium, is that at mile high, you are so far removed from everything that's happening on the field. Like, you were just miles away from it at that point. Like, you're watching it, but it's it doesn't feel nearly as personal. You're not able to hear any of the chatter from the players. You're not able to feel the crowd's energy as much when you're just... You were at the press, press box, box there. too, as well. I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess you were in the press box at Canvas, right? So I, I was, but, like, at Canvas, uh -huh. like, it, it, it's kind of built so that you're directly above the the student section and where everybody is 
like so that you can still kind of feel the energy and hear them where yeah when you're at it, it just feels so much different at mile high and those games were still fun like watching Cole LaCrue like he didn't have the best throwing performance but he had a really good game as a whole uh watching Garrett Keeler in person like that was really fun I can't wait to see him at CSU as well um and then seeing exactly how Loveland how their system works in person was honestly pretty cool because like I'd heard about it and just being able to see it was diff was something really different because you know you know you see Garrett Harstad and you're like okay well he has good <coughs> running numbers but seeing what he can actually right. do that was fun and then after the game like going down to the field and you see uh, you see Cole and Ty LaCrue they go over to where their dad had season tickets and you see you, you just see Cole on his knees and it, it is it, it's enough to make a grown man cry so like the game itself wasn't the most exciting thing but what it meant to the Broomfield community and what it meant to Cole and Ty and everybody there i'm not sure that's something that i'm gonna see replicated soon um yeah um that was a really really good game and at least emotionally and and then when we have cherry creek like uh i, I mean i know that valor put up a hell of a fight and cherry creek actually did have to come from behind a little bit but there wasn't ever doubt in my mind that Cherry Creek would win. Like, e even when Valor Christian was <clears> dead, <throat> in my mind, I was just saying, yeah, no, Cherry Creek is going to win this. Like, they have, like, Purchase, Hank Solinskis. Uh, I, I can see his roster photo. I can't. Uh, they're, they're position? Uh, edge rusher. He was our number five on the top five list. He's going to Iowa. Oh, Office. Chase Brackney. Yeah, Chase Brackney. You got him. You've got. Javion was yeah, over got, there too. Yeah, and then you've got Angelo. You got Bubba Tan, uh, Brady Vodka. I know he got the yips a little bit, but he's still a solid quarterback. Like Valor, they've got Gabe Sawchuk. They've got Asher Weiner, who, uh, as of uh, earlier today, actually, I saw that he's going to Princeton. So congratulations. But yeah, like I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like. I, I I never felt any doubt that Cherry Creek would win. Yeah. No, I mean, it's hard to doubt them, right? They also have probably the greatest Colorado high school football coach of all time and Dave Logan, you know, paired with a really talented roster. So it's really hard to be like, oh, they're just going to blow this year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you really have to take it away from them, which yeah. is, the, you know, it's half the battle. Honestly, getting in that mindset, we and where you gotta just be like, hey, you know, no matter what, we just gotta take it away from them, and we'll go from there. So yeah, yeah you can't like, you can't really out coach them, and they have all the all the trust and resources in the world from their community, and so at that point, it comes down to can you outwork them? Yes. Um, 
and it does sound kind of crazy to say, oh, you can't outcoach them, but they do put in a lot of work. You know, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this uh, or ever told many people this, but I do know some people who used to ref Colorado high school football and, and interacted with Dave Logan a lot. And they talk about his scouting reports and how, you know, he not only did scouting reports on other teams, but ref, like referee uh, staffs as well. You know, just seeing what their tendencies are, what they're going to call, how much they could get away with. And, you know, it's not a big adjustment to their game plan, but it's definitely a slight adjustment, you know, depending on the refing crew and whatnot. And, I mean, he's a very personable guy, too, you know, so (laughs) there's that as well. But, yeah, I mean, Cherry Creek's Cherry Creek. I don't know what more you could expect from them. Uh, Do you have anything more you want to talk about last season here before we talk about this upcoming season? here in 2023 i mean honestly like just a a large part of it was the travel where like i had never been to windsor before but i bloody love it like i'm gonna be going back to uh, i'm forgetting the name of the restaurant right now but it's like they have a really really good restaurant out there that i really want to (laughs) try i mean that's half the fun with it i feel you know visiting spots around uh, those games and whatnot yeah, and like going out to uh, going out to Alt to watch Highland, and you're just like, oh, that's good. That's some good stuff right there. Like, like that was like environment-wise, including the championships, my favorite game of the year. Like, I, I don't know if anybody listening has been to Highland, but like oh, their field, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, like, their field is just right next to a row of houses. So everybody that lives in those houses is just, like, having barbecues and watching the game and cheering. And, and like, and then they're also jeering the opposing team because they're right next to the opposing sideline. Right, <laughs> and so right. they're yelling at them. And it, it, it's a whole thing, but it's really, really funny. <laughs> and I... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be going to another one of those because that was really fun. No, yeah, absolutely. And there's more places that'll be really fun as well. I know Roosevelt, if you do get to go to Johnstown, is an experience, especially when they get going in some of those rivalry games. So, I, uh, yeah, I'm excited for you, man. This next season should be really fun. Year two for you as well, you know, so you've kind of learned the ropes and uh, – you know, did your tour around the state, well, northern Colorado, but you know what I mean. And then you've also done your season previews, right? Yes. Uh, which is the first off-season that you've been able to do those. Uh, by the way, that is episode 280, so you make sure you check those out. But, you know, let's let's talk about this next season, right? So going into next season here, let's talk about some players that you are excited to watch uh, follow all that stuff. Uh, let's start in 5A, right? And then we'll work our way down here classification-wise. But in 5A, Gideon, who are some players you're really looking forward to watch maybe in person or, you know, follow as well if you're not able to watch in person? Uh, okay, so we got a few guys on that list. So Go first, so in 5A, uh, well, we have we have a couple guys from... I'll say it outright, my favorite 5A team. Uh, we've got Brody Van Cleve and Colton Mills Younger out of Pooter. I think they're going to be one of the more dynamic, uh, like, two-way duos in the state. 
Um, just be like Brody, I think is going to be like if he performs well, he's going to be an all PMC type edge guy and a defensive playmaker of the year candidate. He was a finalist last year, and then Colton at tight end is probably going to be my favorite tight end to watch next year. He was this year. But both of those guys are guys that I think are going to have a lot of production and be fun to watch. Uh, both of them are also guys that are getting D1 interest as well. So if uh, <clears throat> if you're listening and you, wa- and you want to hop on that, now's the time. Uh, and then... Yes. Yeah. And then we have uh, Carter Daniels, of course, out of Mountain Vista, who... I, I wasn't able to watch him in person last year, and I feel like with what uh, w- with the playoff matchup that he had, like because uh, that was a snow game against Rocky Mountain and Dave Chatilla and Ethan Thomason, and so in that case, Rocky Mountain's not really a throwing team anyway, and so they were perfectly suited for that matchup. And so in a year where hopefully weather won't upset like their run potential, I do want to see what what Carter can do defensively to further expand <clears throat> his game to be like potentially a power five guy. Yes. A uh, stud linebacker for Mountain Vista, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Just mm, really want to see what he can do. And then uh, a sleeper here. Uh, well, sleeper. He was an Opoy finalist last year, but Abe Chitilla, um I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he does without Ethan Thomason, because obviously with with a six eight three hundred pound power five commit, because uh, they're going to be power five when he starts playing there. But when with him blocking for you, it's not easy to rack up fifteen hundred yards, but it it's easier. Um, yes. and so it'll be, yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see if he'll be able to replicate or hopefully increase that production heading into next year. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, he's a really interesting player. I think if he could get to, I don't know, 800 to 1,000 yards, I would definitely say that's a successful season, um, you know, being able to replicate that and, you know, over double-digit touchdowns as well. Uh, yeah. with losing a guy like Thompson, but no, love all those players. I mean, there's some great ones there. Colton Mills, younger. I actually just watched some of his tight end film a couple of days ago, and man, he's good. He just, I mean, he's everything you want in a tight end, a really good blocker, you know, a really good receiver as well. He's a tough receiver out there. He got a, I don't know, he's just got a little bit of a George Kittle type of game to him, you know, who just does it all, right, when he's healthy. So, gotta absolutely love that. Yeah, yeah, I'm... I I think that of everyone in Fort Collins not named Gage Ginther that's going to be a senior next year, he has the highest ceiling. Like... Yeah. Like, that. that's just my personal take on it. I I think that... I mean, obviously, because this is Colorado and he's a tight end in Colorado. He's probably not going to get the same, uh, the same looks he would if he was putting up the same production in Georgia. But I feel like a couple of, like a couple of years at a group of five school and he's going to have power fives knocking on his door. Like he was Tory Horton, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. He's he's a good one. Uh, we'll we'll have to see how this next season goes and what his future looks like after that too. But that'll be fun for sure. Well, moving on to the 4A level, a uh, lot of teams, a lot of talented teams, a lot of talented players. But you know, who are some guys you're really looking forward to watch or follow here? Uh, so first, I have Colton Piper out of Windsor. Um, Windsor is a team that is extremely defensively minded. Uh, if on my season previews, I brought this up, but their 14th best tackler had over 40 tackles in terms of numerically. Yeah. If their number 14 guy has 50, has 40 tackles, <laughs> they have some real depth on defense. They have a lot of dogs. And I think that he's going to end up being the spearhead of their run defense this year. <clears throat> and I feel really good about putting trust in him to make sure that everything goes well on that front. Because I think that if Windsor hits their ceiling, which in my mind is 9-1, and one, he's going to be one of the main reasons why. Yes, that defense will be really good. Um, also, shout out Robert Taylor and Mikey Munn out there, too. Those are some other guys. But yeah, I, I definitely agree. That'll be a fun one to watch uh, there as well. Yeah, th those guys are those guys are dogs. And then uh, then we also have, uh, obviously, Adrian Rico, who he was taken out of. The, I wasn't able to watch him in person <laughs> because he was injured during that playoff. Right. Game. But I think he's going to I think he has a shot at winning 4A MVP this year. Bear Creek is a team that's been gearing up for a couple of years now. And when I'm looking at it, like, yeah, they didn't win a playoff game last year, but they won one the year before when everybody was healthy. And so, yes, they're losing a good portion of their defense, but their offense is looking to be just as potent as ever. And so while some of the top teams are looking like they're going to take a step back, I think Adrian Rico is going to propel the Bears forward. <clears throat> Yeah, he has a great receiving core, too, so that just kind of makes it even that much more fun. Um, I don't know. Well, no, I guess I can see them as a contender. They do need to take a step forward, though. But, no, regardless, he's a really fun quarterback to watch. And it'll be interesting to see where he's at moving forward because this is his senior year, too. So the uh, pressure is definitely on. So that'll be fun for sure. Yeah, I, I think this is this core's last chance at a at a championship. So. Yes, very senior heavy, but yeah. Yeah, and then moving on to somebody that is a champion, we have Mikhail Benner, who was really fun to watch at the 4A championship. He was one of the highlights of that game. Uh, and, I mean, looking at it, he was tied for, like, fourth in the nation in interceptions, not just with sophomores, not just in Colorado, but fourth in the entire country in interceptions, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he, he skews all the other stats in Colorado because, like, when you're thinking about it, four, three or four interceptions is a lot. But somehow he managed to make them look small with, a, with 11. And you're just like, damn. Damn. Like, and, and so I'm kind of looking at it like, okay... Can he reach 15? <laughs> yeah, I think eventually uh, we're going to start talking about records when it comes to him and interceptions, though, right? Because he's yeah. only going to be a junior this next season. 
yeah, so here, let me pull it up. But yeah, I, I was looking at it, and some guy in Nebraska uh, set the, like, had the most interceptions in the country last year, and he had 30. And I'm not sure that's fully something that's going to happen, but yeah, I'm going to take a look at this. Individual records. I, I'm just doing this right right out of the gate. <laughs> no, you're good. Go for it. But interceptions in a career. So he's already halfway there um, because tied in for Colorado 11, history, in, in, in Colorado history. Okay. It, well, well, he's not already, he's not there, but he's halfway there because when you're looking at this list, the guy who's tied for fourth has 23. Uh, the most in a total career was was Trevor Graf out of Strasburg, uh, who somehow in two years got 47. That's crazy. Dang. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I do think that if Mikhail keeps it up for a couple more years, that he has a chance for second on the interceptions leaderboard. Because unless he has some absolutely wacky years, uh, 47 is going to be a bit much to <laughs> to go after. But yes. I think he has a shot at second. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, was there anybody else in 4A that you wanted to talk about here real quick? Blake Griffin. Because I have not had a chance to see him live, but I want to see how somebody becomes the rushing yards leader without their coaches inputting that until after the season is over. And, and it's just like, a, okay, like I, I, want to, I want to see this guy in person and just, or, or at least like watch one of the games live maybe on nfhs but like i want to see this and see exactly what there made his coaches think that screwing him over like that was okay because <laughs> that's just messed up <laughs> but well, they they've been doing that but they don't want to change so unfortunately so but i want to see i want to see that production so if he if he has a playoff game in my area, I'm going. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, a lot of teams in 4A, or players in 4A, to look out for teams as well. But we'll talk about whole teams a little bit later here. Uh, let's move on to 3A. You know, what are some uh, players in 3A that you really want to see here? Well, first off, we have some guys that I'm definitely going to be seeing this year, and that's the Hoffman brothers. Um, because Jeremiah and Jaden, I think if they pull it off this year, could become one of the better sibling duos in Colorado sports history. Ooh, okay. Uh, expand on that. Well, I mean, you think about it like this, at, at the very least talent-wise, because at this point, Jaden's going to be a senior, so it's going to be hard for them to match potentially the ring totals of other guys. But when you think about the pure talent that those two have, where Jeremiah is at the very least a Pac-12 guy, and Jaden is somebody who I think, if the season goes right for him, is high group of five, low power five. I'm not sure how many Colorado siblings we've seen that have that level of talent. And so if they're able to win a championship or even make it to the championship game, 
And then once Jaden's graduated, Jeremiah makes a couple more deep runs. I could see those two going down as one of the more prolific duos that we've seen. Just off of like what they were able to do at the peak of their powers. So, so that's how I see that. Yeah, the talent is definitely there for both. I mean, Jer- I mean, like you said, Jeremiah, uh, he's a power five guy. He has a lot of interest there. Uh, Jaden, I-, I think he's probably a little bit more FCS group of five, you know, but still D1 regardless. But it really just depends on how this season goes for them. But this could be a really fun one with that duo. They're arguably the most... Mm, yeah, arguably... One of the most exciting quarterback wide receiver duos in 3A and in the state of Colorado, period. The only one other one that really comes to mind as well is Riken Doggard and Joe Cicio over at Lutheran. But uh, yeah, no, for sure. They'll be really exciting to watch. And I know we will be going to a couple of their games as well. Yeah. And and then also in that uh, QB uh QB receiver duo list, uh, like the other duo that comes to mind is uh, is, Ryl- is Ryland Reitz and uh, Jose Gonzalez. I think those three are going to be the top three in the state this year. Wait, those three? Or those three duos. Oh, you mean, oh, sorry, you mean Lu- the Lutheran duo as well, right? What, uh, the Estes Park duo. No, I know, but like... It- you only said Estes Park and Severance. Yeah, Estes Park, Severance, and Lutheran. Those will be the top. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, my bad. That's what I meant. Lutheran being the other one. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Okay, okay. All right. Well, I mean, definitely. I mean, definitely makes sense. Was there anybody else in 3A you wanted to talk about here before we moved on? Another guy that I really want to see play, but I know it's probably not going to happen, is uh, Jack Easterly in Northfield. Oh yeah. Yeah, because when I was doing what when I was going through for watch lists um, and I was making sure that we didn't really miss that I didn't miss anybody. I saw I saw this guy who he has a lot of tackles on a really good team. I mean, not like a playoff team last year, but they will probably be a playoff team this year and who has a decent amount of sacks. And I'm like, OK, like sometimes you see a guy with a good amount of sacks and tackles. But you're like, eh, he's probably not got the build for college. Like we talk about this a lot with uh, with some prospects. But then I take a look at his bio and I'm like, brother's 6'4". <laughs> he's a big dude. He's, he's definitely an ex-level guy. Yeah. And so I think that Northfield, if they have a good season, Jack will also get some good recruiting offers this year. I think he'll have a decent shot to go out there and just show the state what he what he can do. I think at the least he'll probably be at, at the least he's a he's a D2 guy, but depending on how the chips fall, I see him going higher than that. Yeah, no, absolutely. He'll be one of the best linebackers in the state, one of the most experienced ones, too. So that's always going to be fun moving forward. All right. Well, with that being said, let's talk a little bit about 2A here. Uh, I know you did mention 1A just a bit, but let's talk about 2A. It's kind of wide open, right? You know, there's maybe not a true contending team, which we'll talk about more when it comes to teams. But 
Let's talk about two-way and some players that you really want to see moving forward here. Well, first, I, I would be remiss without bringing up uh, somebody from my alma mater, or a couple of guys. Uh, so, uh, obviously, we got Braden Dowling, who, in the subject of guys who are extremely experienced at their positions, he's been getting... He's been getting snaps since he was a freshman, and and like I, we were in student council together. I know his brother was uh, was somebody that if if he'd had that opportunity, probably could have gone FCS, uh, but instead he's at uh, Fort Drum right now. <laughs> uh, but honestly, yeah, he's he's one of those guys that'll get you twenty six hurries a year and ten tackles for loss and four and a half sacks. So he's he's somebody that I really really hope has a good season just because i know what he can do i just hope that this year the stangs are in a position for success to be more team-wide and for more eyes to be brought to him and then uh and then in, in a similar vein you got logan moore who is only a junior this year but he uh he's he's a uh he's he was the leader in tackles on that team last year at five sacks and he's he's looking to be like a solid uh, solid power back. Uh, he's about six foot two hundred now, so I, I can see that. I, I think those two guys are going to be two of the drivers of that team. Which, I mean, obviously I'm a bit biased, but I think they're going to be improved going last year to this year. Um, yeah, and then then moving to some other teams, you got to. I mean, we got a guy that I really just hope has a has a good season in uh, in Chase Knopf in uh, in Prospect Ridge, because like you just feel bad for the miners, don't you? Yeah, no, I feel that. Like, and and like Chase, when he was cooking, he was cooking. Like, they unfortunately have a schedule full of really good teams makes me wish that they'd scheduled like a rocky ford or something so they could get like a like an easy win but or, or even like a eight-man team <laughs> as bad as that sounds that sounds messed up but no i i get what you're putting down yeah yeah like and and he's just a good he's just a good guy and i hope that he's successful this year um yeah and then then in terms of uh other players that I think are definitely going to get really high production uh, this year. If uh, if Vince Hochalter doesn't get hurt, I can see him being a 1,200-yard guy. And, I mean, he was on pace for second-most tackles in the state. Uh, not in the state, in two-way last year. And so I could see him coming for that number one spot this year if he stays healthy again. Um, he was our newcomer of the year winner last year, and so yeah, all around, I think that he has a good shot at getting by his senior year, getting the Cubs to the playoffs. Hmm. And then, yeah. oh, fair enough. Sorry, did you have more you want oh. to add up here? Nah, I, I mean, I got one left, but I'm gonna. Yeah. Well, well, I was gonna say uh, Cash Altschwag or. Yeah. Who? I just love watching that kid play. <laughs> like, my, my favorite two players last year outside of the hometown guys 
were Jordan Neeson and Cash Altschwager, and those guys play so much like each other. <laughs> it's, it's kind of insane. And the funny thing is, I realized recently that Wellington is the is the funnel school for Pooter. So what I mean by that is that when Wellington opened, they were only allowed to go to Pooter because that was the school whose territory they would technically be infringing on. And so they're only getting athletes from Pooter. And since Cash was a sophomore last year, he spent his, his he spent his freshman year in that Pooter system with Jordan Neeson. And I'm just now realizing I should probably ask him if he <laughs> if he picked up any tips from Jordan. But like both of those are guys who well Jordan last year he was in con he didn't make the top five for running back or corner but he was like number seven or eight on both of those lists. Yeah, he definitely was. He was close, but he's I mean he's a great all around athlete. Yeah, and so. I honestly think the Cash's ceiling could be much higher because like it as a sophomore, if you're matching a number seven cornerback slash running back on both ends of the field, who is one of the best in the state, you're matching that guy as a sophomore. What does your ceiling look like? Yeah, no, fair enough. And I think he might be a little bit bigger than him. Ooh, I could be wrong, though. Or maybe I, think, I think he's about an inch, inch and a half, maybe two inches taller. Yeah, it's yeah. Still I think five, eight. Yeah. And Ash was more eye level with me. Okay. Yeah, there you go there. Um, and only a junior going into this next season. So definitely a big one. Uh, surprised you didn't say Tanner Gray. He's definitely somebody that I am interested in watching as well because he's also a big boy, a playing quarterback. Yeah, T Tanner Gray, I remember, because at that Pooter game, I actually ran into one of the, uh, the, the Pooter Castleview game, or I ran into a Wellington coach and one of their players, and I talked to the to the kid first, and he was like, yeah, we got a quarterback, he's a 6'4", 220, and I'm like, okay, stop, stop messing with me, stop pulling my legs, and then I go see him the next week, and he is 6'4", 220, <laughs> and I'm like, Damn, I thought he was max press, max prepping your stat, your your size here. Yeah. No, he's the real deal. At least at that frame, right? Oh yeah, yeah, and and he is a true two-way guy as well, which you don't see very often at quarterback. My my only thing with him before I have him as like one of the like as a top five quarterback prospect, like underclassman wise, is he needs to get his arm like. He needs to develop more distance and accuracy with his arm because right now his main threat is just being able to bulldoze through, which is good to have. But I need to see more development of his air game before I can truly say that he's like, like he is somebody that I'm going to watch and I really like watching. But before he gets to that, optimal version of himself he needs to work on that no i i definitely agree with that as well um he has the physical tools which you know that's great but you know i have also seen plenty of athletes who have the frame have the size have the speed have the strength but they couldn't throw on time and they couldn't throw like accurately too so we'll just have to see i mean he's still really young right so we yeah, kind of just 
give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah, he, he's only going to be a sophomore this year. So I he has plenty of time to, to learn. And Wellington has plenty of pieces around him so that he has the right framework to succeed. I like having talked to Coach Peoples about it. I know that he like a large part of his thing is that if you're not at every offseason workout, then you're not going to get playing time. <laughs> and so, and, and by every, yeah. I mean, yeah. if somebody's not dead, <laughs> type of, <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but no, yeah, it, but I get what you're saying, yeah, yeah. And so when it comes down to it, I can, uh, I really see Tanner becoming a much improved passer over the next couple of years. But at this point, it's a little bit early for that. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. At this point, he kind of just has to show us to um, just show that he's getting better. And there's I, I feel like there's always always going to be a ton of pressure on quarterbacks to be really good right away, especially, I, I guess, maybe in Colorado, because there are a lot of quarterbacks who did really well as a freshman and continue to do super well like a DJ Bordeaux or a Beckham Kritz, a Brady Vodka type. But, you know, every player has their own journey. So, Or even like a Austin Madreski. Oh, yeah. That's another one. Yeah, Austin as well. So, I mean, he kind of just adds on to it, you know. So it's it's tough, right? It's easier to be like, oh, we'll just be good, right? But to play quarterback, especially as a younger guy, you know, you're not – you don't even have your driver's license. There are definitely – some roadblocks to that and so for guys to just be physically talented and go do it and make it look easy like an austin or beckham or dj or brady is like okay or even alex birch he started as a freshman too you know it's easier said than done and so there's always a lot to keep in mind realistically you know quarterbacks usually need a year or two to develop which is why most of them start you know, junior, maybe sophomore year at the latest, right? So there you go. But still a bright future regardless for him. Oh, yeah. And, like, I'll, I'll touch on this more later, but I do think that Wellington is going to be a state championship contender, not this year, but next year. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get more in on that later. but Yeah, we could talk about more of that later. But, no, I, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then that's all the guys I have for uh, for two A right now. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, then let's move on to one A. You talked about uh, one duo here in that Estes Park duo with Ryland Reitz, uh, Jose Gonzalez over there as, as well. You know, Ryland is six six, and he runs the spread, which is a lot more than a lot of other quarterbacks in Colorado. I'm pretty sure he was also a top five or top ten passer. In the state as a junior? Oh, yeah. Isn't, isn't that right, Gideon? Yes, he was. Yeah, I think he was. <sighs> yeah, I think he I was. say top seven. five. The, regardless, he was top ten, but I think he was seventh. I'll, I'll just pull it up on max preps. But I, I really wish that I could make it out to Estes Park to watch a game one of these days because that field is just. <laughs> Like like I saw that field, and uh, while I was going through the through the season preview for Highland, and I was like, that that can't be real. That can't be like. And, and this is coming from a guy who, like, whose high school had one of those that can't be real type of fields, but it just looks so pretty. 
and uh, yeah, he was uh, he was actually fourth. Um, he had over twenty seven hundred. Yeah, yeah, right, right in front of Cole the crew, actually. Ooh. That's crazy. But, I mean, he did run that, you know, offense over there. And, and yeah, you're right. This uh, field is beautiful. Estes Park, in general, is like a beautiful city. Definitely one of my favorites in Colorado. So, not a lot of surprises there. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I got you there. Um, was there anybody else in 1A as well that you wanted to talk about? Or in, I guess you could still, you know, keep talking about Estes as well. I have no issue with that. But they're tough. Yeah, that. Again, we'll talk about this in a minute, but I have them as a as a contender in 1A. But when it comes to other players individually to watch, um, you have the you have some of the core down at Banning Lewis, uh, Joseph Biegovich and Liam Kitzmiller, which like Banning Lewis is a team that should be much better than their previous seasons have implied, like. They were better than their record last year. It just didn't really work out for them. Um, and so I really want to see how these different guys are able to put together a, a campaign that would hopefully hopefully result in a playoff appearance in a deep run. Uh, Chase Reel is a, a, which A, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but B, I have him as a potential MVP guy if it goes right. Yeah, it's Chase Reel, but yeah. Okay, yeah. But I see those Banning Lewis guys putting together a pretty exciting season. Uh, ben Early as well. I want to see in person to see how he to see how he's able to mesh with those other guys. Um, and then uh, not a team that they're going to be playing, but a team where they share a common enemy in CSCS, uh, the Highland Huskies. Uh, you've got Isaac De Santiago who was one of my favorite running backs to watch last year. Um, I'm, I honestly, uh, I thought that he was a senior until I went in and did the, did the preview for Highland, and I was really excited to see he'd be back again next year. And I do think that Highland is going to have one of the, one of those playoff spots locked up at the end of the year because they're, I think, if I remember right, they're only graduating six guys. Uh, from last year's team, which for a team that was potentially only a, a game away from missing the playoffs, well, well, a game away from making the playoffs, sorry, um, I can see that being a team that, especially designed around De Santiago, is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, they also got a stud over there in Brogan Palmer as well, who will be a force, I want to say, on both sides of the football. Oh, yeah. Yeah, during that during that Flatirons Academy game when I was looking at uh, Brogan, like, on their... Okay, so Flat, so Highlands, they came in third in the, uh, in the basketball state tournament. And Brogan Palmer was the tallest guy on that team as a freshman. I believe he's 6'4". He's about 200 pounds. Uh, on defense, he was absolutely just a menace, uh, especially in that Flatirons Academy game. Like he got like three pass deflections, he uh, he got a sack, and he was just getting hurries left and right. 
And then on the offensive end, I think that uh, uh, John Bingley over there is going to be targeting him a lot more on the receiving end, um, especially if he continues putting in the work like you told me he would be doing uh, after that game against Flatirons. And so I see him being another player that I think is going to be a really big contributor if Highland does indeed make the improvement. I think they will. Yeah, no, for sure. He could be one of the best players in that classification here soon, kind of like a tell weight type. Yeah. Uh, maybe even better. He's taller than him, too. And at 200 pounds, just as a freshman, he might be even a little bit more, right? Yeah. So there's that as well. But he'll be special for sure. Well, uh, or sorry, did you have more players you wanted to talk about? Or are you good to go ahead and talk about teams? I mean, I'll use this last player to transition into a team that I is, uh, is a contender in 1A, um, which is Trayton Marks. Um, Trayton, I think, has the potential as a lineman to win MVP this year. Uh, Cody talked about him a little bit in his preview that came out on Friday, the 21st, I believe it was. But Trayton Marks is just the type of guy where you can see him going out there and getting like 15 sacks in a year. <laughs> but just when I watched him in the state game, yeah, he was going up against and just battling Tell Wade. But as much as I sometimes like to say he was getting dogged, he was holding his own. Like there's only so much you can you can do against Tell Wade. But he was holding his own. He was doing pretty decently on the offensive line. And then on the defensive line, he forced one of those fumbles and returned it for a decent amount of yardage that ended up sealing the game for Lyman in the championship. And so I think that despite what the Badgers are going to be losing, I think that if they run the system through Trayton Marks, basically, <laughs> which I know sounds weird running it through a lineman, but like... He's one of the most unstoppable players in the state. And so I can see him and Lyman really thriving this season, especially with how good Lyman's coaching staff is, which makes them one of the contenders in 1A for the however many years in a row, <laughs> in a row that, uh, that they've been contenders. Yeah, I mean, until they get knocked off, right? So... Yeah. There you go there, but definitely get that. And yeah, Trayton Marks is special. He plays offensive line, but I think uh, as far as talking about, you know, where the most potential for him is, I think it's defensive line on the next level. I think he is a D1 guy as an edge rusher because of how dominant he is, that speed to power conversion there. Uh, his hitting, for sure. You mentioned that fumble he first. I mean, uh, defensively is where he's going to go make his money, I think. Um, you know, theoretically and maybe, you know, reality as well. But yeah. we'll just have to see with that. Um, but with that being said, I guess let's go ahead and talk about some teams that will be really interesting moving forward here. So I, I do want to throw this out there. We're going to start with 1A, by the way. I do want to throw this out there. So at this point, you know, when this episode drops, it should be opening week or something close to that manner so th there's going to be that right there's going to be that for sure and our preseason rankings hopefully hopefully 
would have dropped by now, you know, at least a week before this, because I know there's a week zero game too. And so how our preseason rankings work is that myself, Cody, Gideon, and Gino, we rank teams one through 10. And, you know, we basically kind of average it out from there, kind of, right? So, you know, if you're at 10, then you get one point nine two eight three seven four and so forth and so forth if you rank number one you get 10 and so the team with the most points out of uh you know our four rankings get ranked number one two three and so forth but gideon he does have his own personal power rankings here and so we're gonna go you know i guess classification by classification talking about uh, those teams and talking about you know just teams in general is that teams in general that you are excited for going into this next season we'll try to keep it relatively brief because we do have one more segment after this but you know Gideon do you want to go ahead and reveal your personal 1a preseason power rankings and then just talk about some teams that are really exciting for you yeah uh so I'm gonna start this off with the even though Lyman is losing a bunch I do have them at my preseason number one spot uh, for 1A, uh, just with the momentum that they're going to have with the amount of pieces and the coaching staff that they're retaining. I see them staying up there. Uh, Strasburg, I think that they're going to be retaining a good portion of guys as well, um, especially after listening to Cody's season preview. I feel good about having them at two. Uh, Holyoke, they were a really, really good team last year, and they were really junior heavy as well. So I can see them making another really deep run. Uh, right now, I have them in the final four. Uh, Estes Park, I have ranked fourth. Um, I can see them also being a team that, yeah, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but that was with a 7-2 and two record. <laughs> so... It just so happens that yeah. they lost their league. <laughs> so I, I think that they're going to make it this year. Uh, especially. I I have really mixed feelings about Burlington making it. While Estes Park didn't. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, then rounding out the top five, I have Banning Lewis. Um, just because of the pure amount of guys that they have. And hopefully that last year of experience, of experience, I think this core has a pretty good shot this year. And then in no particular order, uh, rounding out the top 10, we've got uh, Centauri, North Fork, Highland, Manuel, and Meeker. Um, yeah, Manuel is another team that's going to have a really good quarterback receiver duo. Highland only graduating four guys and, I think they'll make a big jump. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's most of the that's the top ten for one A for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it should be interesting for sure. So I I would definitely agree. Lyman, Strasburg, Holyoke, they're some of the top dogs up there, right? Holyoke is a little bit more you know skill player heavy. You kind of just got to figure eventually they figure it out though. Uh, so they should be fine. Strasburg, they returned the quarterback and landed Martin. Actually, just recorded an interview with him and his boy Austin Velasco just a couple of days ago. That interview should have dropped already by the time this episode comes out. So make sure you check that out. So they'll be interesting. Estes Park, Banning Lewis, definitely agree that they could be up here. I just need to see it from them. Uh, Estes Park, I mean, they got to win their league. 
And then baiting Lewis, or at least get him close to winning the league, I would say, because I know strength of schedule is kind of a big deal here. So there you go. And then baiting Lewis, they should be here. They should be top five, top ten. We'll just have to see. I know they're a newer program. I'm going to put that out there. I know they're going into their fourth or fifth year here. So, or wait a second, it's 2023. I think this is their third year, technically. Uh, actually, I could be wrong. No, just kidding. It's their fourth or fifth year. Yep. Because uh, they were started just, uh, I think, just before the pandemic. So, there you go. They have a lot of talent. You know, we've talked about all their players. I think it comes down to their quarterback, whether he could get it done or not. So, definitely agreed there. And then, yeah, you're right. Centauri Northport, Kyle Emmanuel Meeker, they're all kind of in similar spots here. They, I think at this point, they just need to start winning games and it will kind of sort itself out, right? Yeah, yeah. They've got, I think they've got the talent to be up here. I, yeah, I just have to see the, the win totals. <laughs> yeah, uh, who they beat as well. So, yeah, that, that's definitely interesting. But yeah, a lot of good teams here. 1A. I don't want to say is wide open, and I think you'd probably agree with that because it's not wide open. You have to beat the defending champs, regardless of whatever classification you're in. And I think it just so happens that Wyman does happen to be one of those teams where, you know, not only are they the, the defending champs, but they arguably have the best team with guys like Traden Marks, like you mentioned. Logan Botyer over there is tough at running back and linebacker. He's going to be an issue. Their quarterback, Rockwell, just to name a few guys. I mean, Lyman has to be the favorite for a reason here, right? Yeah, yeah. Lyman is is among my preseason favorites. I think they're I have I have a few teams in mind that could realistically take state, but in my mind right now, Lyman wins about forty percent of the time, which is at least twenty percent more than any of the other teams I have in mind. So Lyman is certainly up there in terms of teams that I see potentially winning it all yeah no that's definitely fair uh, i mean you got to beat the defending champs at least to either go to state or win it right i yep. think it's really just going to run through them and we'll just have to see what happens moving forward and if it doesn't you know fine but the last five or six years also says otherwise so we'll just have to see but uh let's uh move on or are you ready to move on to two-way here yeah yeah i feel good Okay, bet. Well, here, let me – how about we switch it up? I could say your power rankings, and then I'll let you talk about it here. But at number one right now, you have Delta. Two, Elizabeth. Three, Eden, the defending champs. Four, University. Five, Berthoud. Six, Alamosa. Seven, Rifle. Eight, Basalt. Nine, Montezuma-Cortez. And ten, Englewood. Also, now that I'm thinking about it, this looks a lot like my <laughs> power rankings as well. But, you know, Gideon, why, why don't you go ahead and talk about, you know, your preseason power rankings here, starting with Delta. So obviously lost in state last year, but they are number one for you. How about you expand on that here? I mean, I know that uh, I know that Delta is going to be losing a lot and well, and a lot of production. And I know that they have a lot of momentum with them as well. Because when winning that, when going to that championship and losing in the way that you do, I don't see a world where the remaining guys on that roster don't have a fire in their bellies. And then with with guys like Tyreed, like we mentioned earlier, 
that's a guy that by the time he's a senior, so he has two more years, I could see him potentially being a top five guy. Maybe. We'll see how it goes. But he's got a lot of room to grow. He already piloted a team to that spot in the championship. And then off the top of my head, I'm just going to pull it up. But I, I feel like Delta is going to be in a good spot to at least have a really strong regular season. I just hope that the coach, like it, I hope the coaching staff doesn't do what they did in the championship last year and try to, and try to pigeonhole uh, tie really. Cause like, but also like looking at, uh, you have uh, S.I. Carrillo who's going to be coming back. Um, you have Ryland Bynum and Brett Lahoe or Leho. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And, uh, and Taylor Hewitt or Hewlett. Yes. Also it's, Tucker Johnson. And Tucker Johnson and Ryland Bynum. And so you're looking at this. They have a lot of impact guys. They got a lot of skill guys. They've got really, they've got really good linemen coming back. Of the teams that played in that championship game, they're the much more intact intact team. And, I mean, we all know that championship experience is the type of thing that gets you through a playoffs and right back where you got to go. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, they have a core. They have a championship core that mostly returns this year. Obviously, they'll be without, like, a Connor Workman, right? But yeah. they have a good solid of guys. I think once you start getting to like six, seven, eight, like big time impact players, it's like, all right, they're a contender, right? At least. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, no surprises there. Uh, I also have Delta number one, I think. I mean, Ty Reed, he's entering his third year at quarterback. His first year, he was very successful as, as a freshman. His second year, he did get hurt, but he came back and played really well you know, and help lead, lead this team to state uh, eventually. So that was big. And so you could only kind of project what the next step forward is going into his third and fourth if his second year was state, right? So uh, I think that's definitely fair to say they are a favorite here. So I have no issue with them being number one. Um, number two here is Elizabeth. I, do, I don't want to go like team by team here, but I want to talk about these squads. Uh, Elizabeth, you know, uh, what's your thoughts on them? You put them here at two. Last season, they had a really good year. Unfortunately, just fell a little bit short uh, in an upset to Montezuma Cortez, who is also on this list, if you want to talk about them as well. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with Montezuma Cortez. I have them as a momentum pick because not only do they have really, really good players, but as I think they were a 14 seed, uh, they were able to go in and beat Elizabeth, who was if they were in 4A, it would have been a bye team. Um, and they were able to just go in and mess up every plan that uh, that the Cardinals had for, uh, for the next couple of weeks. And so when you have those types of pieces and you have that momentum of a Final Four run where you lose to the eventual champions, that's the type of thing where I see you coming out of the gates those first couple of weeks and just blasting everybody on your schedule. Elizabeth, on the other hand, has the power of being pissed the hell off. <laughs> they were like, I, I feel like having been in a similar situation, you are 
pissed off because you were right there. You had the chance to make that deep run. You could have been the ones playing the state champions. You could have upset them if you made it to that point. But no, you lost first round. And so now you're just pissed off because you think, okay, what can we do to make sure that's never going to happen again? They're retaining a lot of those guys as well. So they're going to have an, an experienced core, one that knows what a playoff loss stings like, and they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah. I mean, absolutely agreed there. Um, what do you think? They only lose their quarterback. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. What? Sorry. Was that a bit much? <laughs> No, I mean, you lost round one. This was a team that was, I think they were nine and one, and they just came off beating TCA, who was ranked ahead of them. And I think that was to win league too. So they just won league in a, in a league where TCA has dominated the last couple of seasons. So, you know, I think it was fair to say they didn't think they were going to get upset at home round one and lose 14 to seven, right? Yeah. By a team that's traveling like 10 hours or maybe not that far, like, you know, six or seven to eight hours, right? Yeah, it was a full 10 hours. And Okay, so it was. Yeah, but like looking at it, like this is a team that's returning a lot of guys. You got Cash Randall, Cooper Connolly, Ethan Stone, uh, who had both 10 touchdowns and three interceptions. And, 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 uh, and, even though they are losing uh, Jason Weber, like they ha- at uh, at quarterback, this is a team that I see having a good amount of continuity, and yeah, just being pissed all the way the hell off. That's fair. Uh, I like Cooper Connolly a lot. This will be interesting to you know uh, follow. Now, before we talk about the rest of the teams, I do want you to talk about Eden here when you did their season preview Gunner Clary was supposed to be playing for them but it does look like he has moved to Tennessee and he'll be doing his thing there so all the best to him obviously that that was a guy that uh you know we've been following since his freshman year and so got a lot of love for him I know how hard he works and he's a great athlete but you know you have Eden at three here despite all their guys they're losing starting with Gunner they also lose uh, Walker Martin, who's now going to be playing. Or he just got drafted by the San Francisco Giants, so that's really exciting for him. I love that for him. Um, great kid. And they're losing a pretty good core here that has won Eden three state championships, right? But yeah. right now, you have them at three. Why don't you go ahead and talk about them here, since they are, I guess, one of the more important teams here in 2A. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's really hard for me to mentally justify putting a team that has won three straight championships below the top three. But, and I know I'll probably catch some flack for not putting them one or two, but it's like, when you're looking at this team, they're losing their quarterback in Walker Martin, who just signed a $3 million contract with the Giants. You're losing Morgan Trebet. You're losing Austin Martinez. You're losing one of your head assistant coaches to the Highland Huskies. You're losing your your really power back, your fullback, to Tennessee. What do you have? Now, I know that these questions were presented a couple years ago, 
But what do you have that's going to carry you in the playoffs? Because you know Morgan Trebet's going to win you a playoff game. You know Walker Martin's going to win you a playoff game. Who on the squad? And and this is a challenge. I want to see this happen. I'm not I'm I'm not the type of guy that's going to prey on anybody's downfall. I want you to prove me wrong here. Who on this team is going to emerge as the guy that's going to get you to the championship? Who's going to be that guy who wins you four playoff games? Because when you're playing against Cooper, Cooper Crawford and Basalt, who's going to take over that game? Who's going to get that interception in the end zone? You're losing all of your all of your best cornerbacks. You're losing Trent. Uh, you're losing your other guy whose name I can't remember right now for some reason. You're losing him. And so there are just so many roster holes. You're going to have to fill one of your head assistant coach positions. I, I can't justify putting them over three. And the only reason I have them there is because I know that you can never underestimate the heart of a champion. Like you can't like, oh yeah, a lot of guys are going to be coming back from that. A lot of linemen are going to be coming back. You're going to win regular season games. And I don't have Eaton missing the playoffs. Like they're going to be a playoff team. That's for damn sure. I just don't know how far I can see them realistically making it. Yeah, that's fair. I think I am going to say this. D'Angelo Rosas, their running back, he's a speedy guy. He's definitely somebody who can, you know, fill one of the roles. But I think one of the biggest things with Eden is that it's not about just the one player, right? Or about the one unit. They've always been a well-rounded team. Yeah. That's one. That's why they won three state championships in a row. You know, I, I always remember that first defense. I mean, that defense was tough. They were big up front. Tanner True was a 6'5", or 6'4", somewhere in that range. He was over six foot for sure. 280-pound dancing bear who they would hand off the ball to, and he would just ram it up the middle for like 10 yards a pop or something crazy like that. And you literally couldn't stop it, right? Uh, they also had a quarterback in there in Grable who was extremely experienced. That was his senior year. Uh, you had a defense altogether that was young, but they were good. Right. Walker Martin was on that defense before moving over to quarterback. And then following that, the next year, I mean, you had guys like Dirksen who stepped up and they had edge rushers. They had a, you know, great linebacking core. They were like four or five running backs deep. But now they could also throw the ball with Walker, you know, which they were at the peak of their powers, in my opinion. And then they had last season as well where they leaned on Walker a little bit more and he delivered. And you still had two running backs, though, really three, who turned up there between Ryder True, Gunnar Clary, and Rosas. Uh, Ed Walker could run it, too. So it is not just about, you know, the one for Eden. It's always been about the group, the team. And so I think you do make a good point here. It's not just easy to replace those guys, right? Because it's not just one Walker Martin, right? It's not just one Morgan Trebet. It's also, you know, the entire defensive core there. It's also, you know, the running back core as well, the receiving back core, the DBs, right? It's a lot, you know, it's definitely a lot. And so I think it's justifiable putting them here. Uh, they got to climb and that's fair. I mean, they're still top five, top three. They're used to it. 
thing on their mind is just learning and moving forward. But it will be interesting to see what happens with that, though. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so I I think Eaton is going to have a good season. They've got a good coaching staff. And a good coaching staff always figures something out. I just have no clue what that's going to look like. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's fair. I mean, they have to answer questions, and that's all it comes down to. Uh, answer it on the football field, which they've always done. We just have to see how those are answered, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, so uh, before we move on to 3A, why don't you go ahead and talk about the rest of the teams here in the top 10? Because for the most part, 2A, I think we could say Delta is the front runner, right? Yeah. But a lot of these teams, I would even say starting at Elizabeth all the way down, the chances of them going to state, and I mean, I think the biggest thing is just getting to state. Once you get to state, anything can happen, right? Uh, those chances are pretty close between all these teams uh, from two down, wouldn't you say? Oh, 100%. Like, looking at it, you've got Eaton, Berthoud, Alamosa, Rifle, Basalt, Montezuma, Cortez, and Anklewood, but rounding out the top 10. And then depending on how you feel about it, you could swap out anybody from six below with La Hunta, Wellington, Brush, Florence, Platte Valley, Valley, like, and even like a team like Woodland Park or Manitou, depending on how those rosters shape out. I have no clue what, <laughs> what 2A is going to look like next year. Because it, it, like all these teams have the potential to be really, really good. And this is one of those classifications where you could realistically see two-thirds of them making the playoffs if things fall right, like I was talking about earlier. Like, I could see Weld Central making the playoffs if things go right for them. So, like, <laughs> or Arvada. Oh, I don't even have Arvada listed in this. Crap, I need to yeah. I, uh, but Arvada's, t I mean, they need to prove themselves. But no, you're right. I like Arvada, too, with Lucero and company. That'll be an interesting squad uh, looking forward here. Yeah, so like Arvada, we can slide in at 11 there. So when it comes down to it, it's like, what can you even do here Like, to, to predict it? Because there are so many teams that you're just going to have to wait to see how, how they play. Because on paper... So many of these teams look good. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's not just, like I said, like Eden, it's not just about the star. It's also about the guys, you know, in that supporting cast, you know. So the parity is here for 2A. Uh, I, I really felt like last year Eden was heads and shoulders above a lot of teams. I mean, obviously Delta TCA were always going to be in that conversation, but they needed other teams to step up, right? Now, going into this year, I think you could – put Delta in that position, you know, maybe not as high as we put Eden in that position last year, but definitely still there since they do return the most championship talent out of any team in this state. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. But after that, even then, that gap's not that big. But after that, you know, you got a lot of teams with stars here and, you know, programs that have historically been good, you know, like Eden, University, Berthoud, Alamosa's in there as well, Rifle. You know, just one state a couple of years ago, um, Montezuma Cortez is on the come up as well as Englewood, right? And so I think that's really the story moving forward. Wouldn't you agree, at least in two way? Yes. Yeah. Like, I honestly have 
yeah, like you have a bunch of young, unproven teams, and then you also have a lot of teams that are perennial powerhouses. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the chips fall. That's for damn sure. Yes. And it. it, it I, I will say this. I, I brought this up in my preview, uh, but I really, I really wish that 1A, 2A, and 3A had the 2014 bracket like I agree. 5A did. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Um that is a question. That that is a conversation for another time, because I do enjoy watching a lot of these teams get in and you know the potential upsets there. So there you go there. But uh, let's yeah, I mean, uh, wait. What? Oh, sorry. I I just had one last comment about. Oh, that. go ahead. You're good. But I mean, my main example of that is the girls' soccer playoffs this year, especially in four A or no, not four A in five A. Yeah. Because the number one team in the state got upset second round by like an 18 seed in girls soccer. <laughs> and that's a team that was nationally ranked. Like, and I kind of feel like we're screwing these 1A through 3A teams out of, out of that potential experience against these teams so that they know what it takes. Like in, in a 16 team bracket, Longmont would have, wouldn't have made the playoffs last year. But because they got that experience against Dakota Ridge, I feel they're more prepared to be able to make a run next year. And so that's my two cents on it. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I said, um, it's one we could definitely talk a lot more about. But uh, here, let, let's get back to this season here. Let's talk about 3A, which, you know, like you mentioned, this is definitely one that we kind of wish was a 24-team bracket. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, with your power rankings, I'll just list it off again. At number one, we got Lutheran, two Green Mountain, three Roosevelt, four Thompson Valley, five Holy Family, six Conifers, seven Res Resurrection Christian, eight Northfield, nine Durango, ten George Washington here. Um, to start out, let me ask you about the two teams first that went to state last year and battled it out. Obviously, Roosevelt came out on top there, winning their first state championship ever. And then Lutheran, I want to say this was their first appearance ever. But you have Lutheran at one, Roosevelt at three. Why don't you go ahead and talk about those two teams here and why you have them ranked high as, uh, again, going into this next season? So when we're looking at Lutheran and Roosevelt, yes, Roosevelt won the championship last year. And I mean, they're retain. I mean, I know they're losing Tucker Peterson and they're losing their quarterback, I believe. Off the top of my head, I believe so. No, they bring back Bronco. Oh, they bring back Bronco? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, so but they lose their offensive line. But you're losing your offensive line. You're losing Tucker Peterson. And you're losing a decent portion of your defense. So you're looking at that and you're like, okay. Like, it. they're not losing as much as Eaton is, but I can't justify putting them at that number one spot right now. And Lutheran has all the pieces that I feel really comfortable with that. Like, they've got Riken Doggard. You have Joe Sissio. You have... Let me pull it up, because I was looking at it earlier. And you have a, 11 watch list guys. Uh, between Keaton Remain, uh, Caleb Abramson, Colin Sturm, Peyton Garrett, Alex Sakim, Zakem, uh, Riken Posey, 
Sam Smolin and Lennon Rosek, you have so many guys who can go out there and win you games. You have so many guys who can go out there and make sure other guys are able to have the room to win you games. And so Lutheran is really retaining the majority, like the majority of their, like they have a whole starting, they have a whole starting defense worth of worth of watch list guys. And watch list guys are guys that we think could go D1 or D2, basically. And so when we're looking at that, we're like, I'm, I'm just looking at that like, damn, they already got there. They were leading. Roosevelt had to come from behind to win that game. What are they going to be able to do this year? Yeah, no, that's very fair there. I'm biased, you know, because I have my personal connections with Lutheran. Shout out the Garrett family, Peyton Garrett, uh, who is a watch list guy. And he's he's good at like, what, 6'2", 225 at edge rusher. Um, have been friends with his sister for a really long time and uh, have talked with his dad a couple of times too and whatnot. So there you go there. I mean, Lutheran's tough, you know. They're going to be tough. I feel like I say this every year. This is their year. This is their year. I'm starting to feel like a Cowboys fan. I've said this before, <laughs> you know, with with the whole of that, which is ironic because I know their coaching staff is basically from Texas, all of them. So that's why their schemes are the way they are, you know. But, uh, yeah, man, I this is going to be a stacked Lutheran team. They're as complete as you want from any squad. Right. So, yeah, definitely see that Roosevelt. I mean, you got to give them credit as well, though. They're still up here. Bronco Hartson. That's obviously a big return. Xavier Ramirez, the running back, might be the best running back in Colorado, period. Um, He's that good. Right. He's definitely that good. Mm-hmm. And he'll only get better. He might even be a 2000 yard rusher, which is insane to say with them losing so many guys. I know they do bring back one tackle, which is, not, you know, better than losing everyone. But he could be a 2,000-yard guy. So they're definitely going to be tough there. So you got to give them their respect. And just, I mean, you got to imagine they'll be at least in the mix there, right? Like Final Four, Elite Eight type, uh, you'd imagine, right? I I think their floor is Elite Eight. Um, Like, they're going to, again, a good coaching staff that you can trust. And here, like, they still have guys that I can see winning you a couple of playoff games. Like, I can see Bronco Hartson just taking over. And, like, if you're down a score, just powering you forward. And all of a sudden, you're up by 14. Same with Xavier. And uh, on your on your comment about sounding like a Cowboys fan, at least Lutheran has made a championship in the past couple of years. <laughs> appearance. Appearance. But, yeah, 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 they have. And they made it. <laughs> yeah, the they were up. For 20. For, like, a half. But, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, but you still gotta win it. You still gotta win it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. A lot of questions here, uh, in good ways, right? In good ways, because there's it's high level coaching and talent. Both of them have really established coaching staffs. Uh, with Lutheran's coaching staff, like I said, and Coach Robbins over there, and then Roosevelt's in uh, Lane and Wassinger over there. So there you go. Yeah. But uh, here, let's talk. I want to talk. Ask you about this team here at two in Green Mountain. Uh, Just straight up, why do you have them at two here over Roosevelt? What's the biggest selling point for them, uh, to you at least, moving forward? I mean, looking at Green Mountain, they're a team that's been brewing for a couple years. Uh, 
So they made the playoffs when I was a senior with a six and five record. They're a team that managed to that managed to make it there. They didn't win last year. They they were undefeated until I believe it was the third round of the playoffs. Yeah, so they so they played a Florida team. They beat a bunch of good teams. They the closest they came to losing in the regular season was against Evergreen with <laughs> with Tommy Paholski and uh, I believe Russ Woodward. Yeah, yeah, Russ Woodward. And they yes. only that was yep. a game we were at, or not we, but me and Cody were at. Yeah, and the only game they lost was to Roosevelt, and that was the third round of the playoffs. They beat Res Christian. They beat the upstart, the upstart Palisade Bulldogs, and they only lose to Roosevelt. So that's a team that you know is going to be hungry because they know we could have, we could have beat them, we could have. But then you also see, okay, this is a team returning a decent portion of their front line. This is a team that they've got a couple of guys that are able to make some plays. You got George Sop and you got Dalton. Pulignot? I, I haven't heard his name said before. I've only read it. <laughs> but but you've got guys like that. But then the guy that sticks out most in my head is Colton Patterson. Who yeah. who I can see him kind of being the driving force for this team and saying, listen, we had a chance last year. We could have gone out there and just... We had a chance against the best team in 3A. We were undefeated to that point. One of the only teams in the entire state to go undefeated, and all of a sudden we get 30 to 3 So I see I see Colton Patterson going out there and really just like burning a cigarette on the on the arm of the collective team and just saying, screw you, I'm gonna get mine. Well well not like in the yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but in a motivational way. Yeah, I'm. We had a shot last year. I'm not gonna sit by and let this chance go past me again. Colton Patterson's also a big boy at six four, two hundred eighty pounds, I believe, right? Or maybe that's another one. I, I believe. Guy, yeah. What? I, I believe that's him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they have David Ives as well. Both of those yeah, guys are all playmaker linemen, and I want to say they're the only, like Green Mountain is the only team one A through five A who return multiple all playmaker linemen, um, which yes, is scary yeah. <laughs> to think about because we don't we put limits on our position groups, right? So we have to pick the best of the best, and we decided that Patterson and Ives were the best of the best. So that's yeah. tough, and they're just gonna they run the ball. They don't really pass it a lot, so you could really plug in whoever and just run behind that big offensive line. So that makes them really scary because their offensive line is truly their offense, honestly. Yeah. yeah, and so with I mean they're kind of the epitome of everything that Colorado does well and the flaws in Colorado in Colorado ball, and so. Depending on how it goes, I could see them being the ones that come out this season on top. Yeah, and I mean, they, they are also returning their uh, their two leading tacklers, along with uh, along with Austin Contreras, who... Yeah, he's like 6'2", 230, and he's fast. 
he oh. had seven, 17 and a half tackles for loss last year. <laughs> like, damn, boy. <laughs> he's fast. No, he's fast, dude. At 230, or well, I guess he was like 220 or whatever last year, he he moves extremely well for his size. Yeah. Yeah, so basically they have a bunch of dudes that I can see winning them games. Or, or not even winning them games, but keeping other guys from winning games if we're talking, like, about Contreras. Yeah, yeah. No, agreed. Um, why don't you go ahead and talk about the rest of the teams here? So, Thompson Valley, Holy Family, Conifer, Rez, Northfield, Durango, uh, George Washington. Yes, he is. <laughs> of course he is. He definitely is. Um, but, yeah, all those uh, teams there. I Okay, Maybe this is a little controversial, but I wouldn't exactly say they're contenders, at least based off of what we saw last year. But going into this year, projecting forward, we can see steps from these squads, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, because like the, the thing about 3A last year is that you could see any team from 1 to 10 making the championship and any team from 6 up winning it, if the if everything went correctly. And these are all teams that were either in that range last year in Resurrection Christian, Durango, and Georgia Washington, or I think are going to be in that this year where you have Thompson Valley, Holy Family, Conifer, and Northfield. Because those are all teams that looking at what they have, what they were able to do last year, like these are all teams that are going to be really competitive based on the talent that is hopefully going to be getting better. Again, this all these evaluations are based off of assumed progression, but Thompson Valley, a team that looking at what they had last year and what their record was like last year, I can see them making that jump. Holy Family, I can see them making that jump. Conifer, them as well. Uh, I'm going to be at uh, that Thompson Valley Res Christian game, I believe. And so that's one that I'm really looking forward to. Northfield, a team that was on the bubble last year. I can see them, especially with Jack Easterly, becoming one of those powerhouse 3A teams. Uh, Durango, uh, they're still going to have a really good quarterback. They're going to have like good pieces, obviously. If you don't have Joshua Bates, you're going to get a little bit worse, but you can see them being top 10. George Washington, I know they're losing Marcellus Honeycutt Jr., but they are retaining, again, a lot of really, really good guys. And so a lot of this is based off of Cario, based off of who they're retaining from last year, but also, especially with those teams that weren't playoff teams last year, I really see those teams making that necessary jump. Because, like, if you have a two-way guy like Grady Ford, I, I, I mean, you can miss the playoffs, but I see you making the playoffs in more worlds than I see you missing them, you know? <laughs> so that that's kind of the, at the end of the day, view of it for me. Yeah, no, fair enough there, fair enough there. Well, with that being said, uh, let's keep it going here because uh, we do got to talk about 4A and 5A. And I know there's a lot to talk about with 4A and 5A. Stop, uh, let's start with 4A, right? So at yeah. number one, 
Or sorry, what were you going to say something there? Oh, I, I just said, yeah, yeah, I'm good to go. Okay, bet, bet, bet. Um, but yeah, so at number one, you got Broomfield. At number two, Windsor. Three, Bear Creek. Four, Loveland. Five, Mesa Ridge. Six, Heritage. Seven, Montrose. Eight, Erie. Nine, Vista Ridge. And ten, Longmont here. Um, let's. I want to ask you about the defending champs first, and then we could talk about everyone else here. So you have Broomfield at number one. I got to ask, you know, obviously they're not losing that many players, but, you know, what were some of the reasons why you decided to put Broomfield at one outside of them being the defending, you know, champs, obviously? Well, I mean, you look at it and they still have a lot of really talented players returning. Uh, the three that come to mind are C.T. Worley, Ty LaCrue, and Mikhail Benner. If you are going to be a successful team this year, those are the three guys that you need to design your scheme around. And so looking at it, Broomfield is the team with the experience and with, I mean, basically everything that has what it takes to make it back to the championship. And I mean, just based off of how those under... That, well, not underclassmen, but how the non-graduating players played last year. I feel pretty confident in that one ranking. I do know that they are losing Blair Hubbard, which, uh, yeah, uh, I know he is one of the better coaches in Colorado football history, but, and I, on um, I don't know the full story there, so I'm not going to comment. But That's it's. Fair. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a tough road back to the championship, but right now, off of the talent in 4A, they're certainly the best poised to make it back. Yeah, no, I definitely have to agree. They did hire somebody, I'm pretty sure, from in-house, so, you know, you kind of just got to think, I mean, how much of a step are they really going to lose, right? But then, you know, they're also graduating some guys. Cole LaCruz is not an easy guy to replace. Now, you do bring in C.T. Worley. This is a guy that we have... Or at least myself and Cody has known since he was basically a freshman or eighth grader. And we've seen him work and work and learn behind Cole. We pretty much tell him, or last, the last couple of seasons, we pretty much tell him, hey, just learn everything you can from Cole. You know, you'll be fine. And he has gotten better. And he's a, he's a big dude who could run and throw the ball really well here. You know, very physically gifted. And we did see a glimpse of him. He did play Aurora Central, which was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. Like, Cola Crew just, I guess, was just inactive for that game. And it was, like, a Thursday night. And so CT just walked in and casually threw for, like, 300-plus yards on three touchdowns against Aurora Central, who's not the worst team in 4A. Definitely not. So for him to do that is like, okay, you know, that is the sample size you got to work with. But we'll just yeah. have to see how that works moving forward but you are right they do bring back a lot here um yeah. it's just going to be a matter of putting it together again because now they have to climb that mountain again and it's never yeah. an easy one to do but you know you just got to take it game by game right yeah exactly and then i mean obviously like obviously those aren't the only guys you got isaiah garcia perez and uh, josh singleton or john sorry and then brent yes. harrison and Landon Davidson, who was an all-PMC guy last year, along with uh, Noah Biller. But, yeah, I, they're the team that I see making it back to the top of the mountain like 30 to 35% of the time in 4A. Those are pretty good chances. 
considering, you know, like 23 other teams also make it or whatever that number is. I'm pretty sure it's 23. So there you go. I'm, but, uh, wait, what? Yeah, it's, it's like last year's Celtics with, uh, with Joe Missoula. Yeah. Oh, that is interesting. Hopefully, uh, it does go a little bit better, you know, but yeah, no, I, I definitely, that, that's a good comparison. I like that for sure. We'll just have to see what happens moving forward, but we know the talent is there. They, and you're right. They do have a big offensive line and an experienced one. Uh, like you said there, I'm also believe Landon Davidson is a Nebraska commit right now. So yeah, I, I say right now, cause I don't know uh exactly but i know he's power five for sure so that's i mean obviously when you have a new quarterback it helps bring back your offensive line it always does so there you go there but uh let's talk about the rest of these teams windsor bear creek loveland mesa ridge heritage Montrose, Erie, vista ridge longmont i think we could both agree that broomfield is kind of the front runner here and then you have a lot of other teams just like in 3 and 2a who are really not that far behind here uh, but why don't you go ahead and talk about those teams here? Yeah, so most of this, like, okay, so Windsor and Bear Creek, I have them there because of what their ceilings can be. Because looking at Windsor, that is going to, I'm calling it now, that's going to be the best defense in 4A. And a lot of their linemen are returning, and Bear Creek had a really good defense last year. And looking at what Wyatt Gustafson was able to do in that game, because he only got three games of real action. He got the last game of the season, he got Bear Creek, and then he got Broomfield. <laughs> he got torn up by Broomfield, but that's Broomfield. So at the end of the day, kind of, that doesn't really count as, like, it, it was his third game really started. But in that game against Bear Creek, I saw that this kid has something. He has the potential to get these weapons moving right. And I know they're losing TNT, but that front line is going to be really solid for Windsor this year. So I can really see them being in a position to continue getting better. And I, I think the Gustafsson-Gavin Helm connection in particular is going to be one that's going to be exploited by the Wizards. Uh, and then Bear Creek is kind of the opposite, where they are losing a decent portion of their defense, but their offensive ceiling, I can be, I can see being so high that it just propels them to a deep playoff run. I mean, heck, I kind of want to see a, a third straight year of Windsor-Bear Creek in the playoffs. Because I could see that potentially becoming one of the biggest rivalries in the state if it goes right. But, yeah, I... I I see that based off of what I saw last year and what their ceilings could be. Um, then we have Loveland at four, which Cody talked about it in his Loveland preview, but that's a team that is really only really losing Garrett Harstad. Like they're losing other guys as well, but like, yeah, Garrett's a good quarterback and a guy that you want there, but it's kind of plug and play with that position. So in that system, I do think that they're going to continue succeeding. Mesa Ridge was a young team last year, or younger, and I could see them making that jump. Uh, and then, I mean, the rest of these are like proven 4A playoff teams. Heritage is going to, Heritage has a lot of good guys. Erie has a lot of good good guys. I've got 
intel that uh, Zayden Stevens might have won that job, the starting job. You guys will know by the time this episode comes out. Zayden Stevens has the starting job for uh, for Vista Ridge. And then the other real question I see people having about this ranking is Longmont. But Longmont is a team that was a solid playoff team last year. And that if you listen to my preview, I only really see getting better. It just sucks that Noah Atherton has graduated, but seeing what uh, what Ethan sent us earlier today, Ethan Atherton, apparently he's six four now, <laughs> and so that is going to be like you have him making sure that Colby Holmes is able to safely hand it off to Cole Gaddis, and then Cole is able to go on defense and just absolutely wreck everything. Yeah, I. I see Longmont being a being maybe an elite eight to final four team as their ceiling. Okay, no, fair enough there. Uh, Colby Holmes could also throw it as well. Uh, he should be a, another big threat there as a passer too, which really opens it up for Cole Gaddis. But yeah, I mean, no, absolutely have to agree with that. Uh, a lot of teams in the mix here. I mean, you know, preseason rankings are preseason rankings for a reason. They're pretty, uh, you know, based on what's on paper. And so we'll just yeah. have to see kind of what happens. I mean, that goes for all of these, right? But we'll just have to see what happens. I mean, you could guess that Broomfield will probably be in the mix at the, near the top. And I think that's fair to assume. But then the rest, I mean, 4A has always been super competitive. You know, last year, Broomfield was not, or sorry, the year before, uh last year so in 2021 broomfield kind of had a disappointing season after um after some interesting comments by cole when he said that they were going to be really good and light it up and then they didn't uh, or they didn't collect a lot of wins they lost a lot of close ones so that's kind of how it goes sometimes you know it comes down to those close games those battles in the regular season and then obviously the playoffs is where it matters most because you lose and you're done uh but if you win that's one less guy in front of you, one less team in front of you. So. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And so, like, go and there are a bunch of other teams to to watch in there. Like Monarch, if things go right, I could see being a top fifteen team. Palmer Ridge, Dakota Ridge, Grand Junction Central, Pondo, uh, Denver South. Like, there are a bunch of teams that you can see being top ten, but it just depends on how things go. Yeah, I mean, we had to make hard decisions, or you had to make hard decisions since these are your personal power rankings, but we all did as well when we did our rankings. So it will be reflected when we do our preseason or when we have released our preseason rankings, which at the moment we haven't done yet because it's just me and I think Gideon and maybe Gino who has our rankings, not to throw Cody under the bus, but, uh, you know, he's in Europe, so he'll be fine. So there you go there. But <laughs> with that being said, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add on on 4A before we go to 5A here? No, I, I feel pretty good about that. It, it's it's not wide open, wide open, but it's pretty open. Yeah, yeah. I think this year in general, it's pretty open. There's not many favorites, like, you know, that are far and above everyone else. I think uh, Wyman is maybe the one that we could maybe say there. But even then, they are losing some teams. But anyways... Going to 5A here. I'm going to read off your rankings. I think to some teams this might be interesting. 
because 5A does get pretty uh, volatile. But at number one, you got Mountain Vista. At two, Ralston Valley. Three, Valor Christian. Four, Fountainport Carson. Five, Pine Creek. Six, Cherry Creek here. Seven, Columbine. Eight, Legend. Nine, Doherty. And number 10, Fairview here. Uh, let's start with the top team, right? I think that is the fair thing to start with. Mountain Vista, why are they your number one team personally in your power rankings? Well, Mountain Vista last year was a team, was, they were the Memphis Grizzlies of last year's playoff bracket. Um, they were good, of course. They were, they have a lot of solid pieces. They have a lot of guys that you can see doing damage. But A, their play style wasn't exactly suited for the type of game that ended up happening with that snow game against Rocky Mountain where that really just limited Austin Madreski's effectiveness. Um, but then this year, they're getting C.J. Reese. They're, you have hopefully continued improvement, again, from Austin, but then also Carter Daniels and Chris Smith and Jack Lace and Ja'Kai Mack and Ja'Pri Jennings, Jack Heath, Aiden Vincent, Hunter Dell, Sean Conway, all those guys who you can all see winning you playoff games. You could see all of those guys eventually making really good college rosters. Like Austin, he got offered by Kentucky. <laughs> like, and this is just a team that is chock full of dogs. And I... Now there are a lot of teams that I could see winning a playoff game against them. But that number of teams is extremely small. And, I mean, even before they added C.J. Reese, they probably would have been top six. But now that they have added him, whew, that Mountain Vista is the team to beat in 5A. Well, I got you. I mean, the offensive weapons are definitely there. Defensively, they don't have the worst defense in in Colorado. They should be good. Carter Daniels holds it down along with uh, Vincent over there. So I definitely see what you're seeing. And, you know, we'll just have to see moving forward. I think at the time this releases, it'll be after their Week 0 matchup against Ralston Valley, who you have here at 2 over Valor and Cherry Creek, who went to state last season. Why don't you talk about them a little bit more? Then we'll talk about everyone else as well. I mean, Ralston Valley is a team that was only a couple seconds away from making the championship last year, right? And they yes. have another, yes. yeah. Yeah, and so they have another season to mesh with that new coaching staff. But they've got Logan Madden. They are losing Diano Benalo. But, like, Ralston Valley is a team that I know is going to have a solid O-line. And they're going, and they have a good coaching staff. They're going to make the right decisions. And yeah, looking at this, like Ralston Valley, yeah, you have Liam Beatty, Peyton Noble, George Patterson, Kit LeBlanc, Tyrese Johnson, who's going to Air Force, and Logan Madden. You have a bunch of weapons. And so I think that with how close they came last year to, to a championship appearance, to upsetting Valor Christian... I think that of everybody in the state not 
in a green and yellow uniform, they've got a really good chance. Fair enough there. Fair enough. Uh, they should be really good. Also, add in Jack Moran as well, another edge rusher. Uh, this defense will be very underrated, in my opinion, um, because I feel like offensively, that's always the more flashy thing. They like to throw the ball. They have Logan Madden, so they should have a lot of fun there, right? So yeah. there you go. But, uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about the rest. Or I'll let you talk about the rest of these guys here, rest of these teams. Valor, Fountain Fort Carson, Pine Creek, Cherry Creek, Columbine, Legend, Doherty, and Fairview. Why don't you expand on those teams here? Well, I mean, okay, so first I'm going to go with Valor. They made the championship last year. They're, reta- they're retaining their championship quality quarterback. They're making – they're keeping Gabe Sawchuck. They have Cash Spence, Alexander Jordan, Chase Zimmerman, Mason Walters. And as mentioned earlier, uh, Asher Wiener just committed to Princeton. And so this is a team that you know is not only going to make smart decisions on the field but off the field. Uh, they also got that uh, got that young fella who uh, caught that touchdown in the championship to close it to That's one Spence, possession. Oh, that was Cash. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah. Cash Spence was able to close it to one possession game in the championship, and so this is a group of guys that knows how to get there. That, I mean, again, a team that's hungry for retribution. And that I really see making that run again. Again, if they can make it past those other guys, they have less question marks than some of these other teams on the list. Yeah. Uh, no, fair enough. Uh, sorry, you go ahead and talk about the other ones as well. Then I'll react oh. after all that. Yeah. All right. Uh, then we've got Fountain Fort Carson, who, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Fountain for Carson is just, I think they're going to be ridiculous this year. They, they won a playoff game last year. But then they have Darren Frederick, Lincoln, I hope I'm saying this right, Lincoln, Lincoln Fa'apuli. I think it's Pauli. I could Pauli. be wrong, though. Go, keep going. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You've got Miles McClarity. You've got the Coleman brothers. Uh, Anthony Johnson Griffin, Preston Johnston. Uh, Matt Jennings, Myron Johnson, Khalid Smith, Colton Cambo, Matthias Price. You have so many different guys who can make plays for you. And you have a team that played against Cherry Creek in the playoffs last year, I believe. And were able to win win a game. They beat Arapaho in the last week of the season, if I'm remembering right. And so this is a team that knows how to win against proven talent like that. And this is, an, again, a team that has that I think is going to take that step forward. Uh, they've got their community behind them. Uh, we saw when we did our quarterbacks watch list that the team is fully behind Colton Camba. Potentially, but we'll, we'll just say potentially for now. But yeah, he has a lot of support. He has a lot of support from the players on the team. Uh, I, I actually ran into a couple of guys who are going to be freshmen at Fountain Fort Carson who they said that they thought that he uh, that he had won the starting spot. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, one of them was a center, so I think that if anybody knows, he'd know. But 
I think that's a team that has the potential to be one of the two best teams in the Springs at the very least. By the way, Fountain Ford Carson did not beat Arapaho, but they beat Regis Jesuit. That was arguably better. So I, I remembered it was a I remembered it was a bye week team that they beat. Yes, yes, it was right at the end of the season they upset them, which is wild. But yeah, they got it. And that was my justification for why I thought that they would win that that first round playoff game, which they did. Um, and then the other team that's in the conversation for the best team in the Springs, or 5A at least, is Pine Creek. And, I mean, when you look at, regardless of what you think about the coaching staff at Pine Creek, they're always able to put together a solid team. But this is their year to make that run at the 5A championship. You have Mason Miller, who it's his last year with his pops. You have... You have Justice Nicholson. You have Cameron Cooper. You have 17 different guys who made our watch list, basically. <laughs> and you don't have any repeats here. Except for Jaden Wren, but that's a guy who can go who can go both ways. So Pine Creek is the type of team where they're battle tested, they've won playoff teams or playoff teams, they've won playoff games. You know that they can. You know that they can go far. This is just their year to execute. This is their year to prove that they belong in that conversation of the best perennial teams in the state that you can count on. And so I think the Pine Creek. This is the year that that uh, that Coach Miller is going to want to win more than any other when it comes down to it. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, uh, go ahead, talk about Cherry Creek and then these other teams as well. Okay, I know I'm going to have people pissed at me for putting Cherry Creek at six. Uh, that's just, I, I, I came to peace with that. But I think that, at least at the beginning of the season, Cherry Creek's going to have some turmoil. I mean, of course you're going to when you're losing guys like Blake Purchase, like Chase Brackney, who... And like Bubba Tan. But also, because we've heard about the about the controversy surrounding the quarterback position. We know that... Well, I, I was there. I saw Brady Vodka get the yips. I saw that, he's, that he was in a bit of a tough spot. And that quarterback battle, I think at least for the first few weeks, is going to limit Cherry Creek's effectiveness. Because how... Even if Brady Vodka wins the starting spot to begin the season, it, it, it doesn't do good things to a person mentally when all of a sudden... Well, not all of a sudden, but it's like, okay, if I make the slightest mistake, I'm going to lose my spot, and I might not never, I might not ever play again for my high school career. And so, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. And the other two guys who who are vying for that spot, they're going to have pressure on them too. And so, as long as there's 
a lot of as long as there's that controversy surrounding the quarterback spot because i mean cherry creek is a it's a colorado team there is a lot of running but they like you you like to air it out and of course you're gonna have a good line i mean max parrot or parat you're gonna be good your d line is gonna be good you got exodus johnson and ti but I really need to see commitment to a quarterback before I can say you're you're up there. Because right now, yeah, I don't see like I any of the guys that you have performing particularly well with someone breathing down their neck every second of every game. And yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's fair. I do want to say uh, all the teams in front of them, the five teams in front of them, there's only one team in Fountain Fort Carson that will have a quarterback less experienced than Brady Bodica. Uh Austin Majeski amounts of Vista as a three-year starter going into to, to his third year. I mean, uh, Ralston Valley. Well, actually, I guess Logan Madden. Actually, I think he got playing time as a sophomore. Never mind. But he has like two he's going into a second and a half year i guess valor christians asher asher weiner is going into his second year here but they're all upperclassmen as well cam cooper is going into his second year but he did play a bit as a freshman too so there's that as well as the second and a half right so uh, i i get it you know they definitely do need to you know pick a quarterback and roll with it and be confident in that decision and in the past, they have lost games at the start of the season because of that. So I, I understand that. Yeah. And and at least with Fountain Fort Carson, from what it sounds like, from what I've heard from guys who are on the team and playing a position that directly relates to the quarterback, mm-hmm. it kind of sounds like they've chosen at least for now so it sounds like he has at least a little bit of security heading into the start of the year to be able to make those mistakes that sounds like there's not as much leeway for in uh, up in cherry creek but moving on to columbine legend doherty and fairview um columbine is a team that you know is a consistent elite eight squad if nothing else I I need to see more evolution in that game in, in in the game from you guys before I can put you above a team like Cherry Creek and into the top five because I'm not sure that I can say you've proved it. Like yeah, you're a playoff team. You're a playoff team that wins a couple of games, but. Yeah, you haven't really made it to the championship in a while with that system. Legend is a team that I think is going to be very, very solid this year. Um, They have a lot of guys coming forward. And the fact that they were able to beat my guys over at Pooter like they did last year shows that they've got a lot of of things going on. But then you've also got guys like Michael Marsonic. Alex Martinez, Riken Banks, you got uh, Gage Turnbull, Nate Sandy. You you just have a bunch of guys over there who I have confidence in to really up the level from 
from our preview a couple of years ago that you won't let us forget about. <laughs> well, it was last year. So but I took that on the chin. You know, hey, check out the uh, this year's season preview, you know. But, yeah, no, I got you. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then you've got Doherty and Fairview, which D- Doherty is is a team that is younger uh well not younger but they're a little bit less experienced but i they did end up making the playoffs last year and at the end of the day i do think that solomon latimer and i i think he can win you a playoff game kai sundermeyer i think he could potentially win you a playoff game logan hutchian Potentially win you a playoff game. I, I can see this team ceiling being Elite Eight. And then Fairview is a team that's been really at at that precipice for a while. They won one of the toughest leagues in the state last year with Fossil Ridge and Booter. And even though they are losing Zach Lewis, they're keeping the majority of the other pieces that were able to propel that team to a bye week. And so when it comes down to it, I really do see this as a team that is in the spot to make another really deep playoff run. At the end of the day, it just comes down to how they adapt to no longer having a Zach Lewis type player who can go both ways for you. But yeah, it depends on, yeah, because they lost their only playoff game against Chaffield last year, but We'll see how it goes, but I have them at 10. But after that, it's kind of like you could swap out a a number of teams at like that 8 through 10 spot. Like Rock Canyon, you could plug in there. Cherokee Trail, you could plug in there. Denver East, Chatfield, Arvada West. Uh, And then depending on how Fossil Ridge and Pooter turn out, you could plug them in there as well. And so when it comes down to it, there's a lot of different teams that I think are going to be at the very least solid in 5A. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Well, there you go there. Those are uh, his rankings and, you know, your personal reasons behind those. So good to have those out. But, you know, we are wrapping up here. And so we're going to do a little quick fire question round here. I got three questions. All right. Uh, And I just want you to give quick answers. So um, it's going to be like one I guess, I mean, yeah, I mean, it'll be like one team slash one player answers, right? And then just one reason why, like one sentence or, yeah, we'll say one to two sentence a reason. Is that fair to say? Because uh, I just want to fire these off. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, uh, and it'll give a little bit more insight about where you stand about this upcoming season here. And we'll do uh, one through five a here with that stuff. So uh, let's go ahead and do this thing here. Uh, here, I'm going to give you the, uh, choice here. Do you want to start in 1A or 5A? Uh, let's start in 5A. We'll, we'll go like a snake draft here. Work our way down, say less. All right. So starting in 5A here, um, here, how do I want to do this? Okay. Yeah. Let's start with 5A. So who wins state? Just straight up. If you had to pick one team to win state, who wins state and why? Mountain Vista. Because the experience and the project and the projected progression of the different guys on the roster who are just absolute dogs. 
boom, there you go. All right, now uh, sticking with 5A here, who is, uh, you could pick one team here, yeah, let's just go with one team, but I guess who is a dark horse to go to state or win state in 5A? Legend. Mm -hmm. uh, they were a good team last year, and I could see them making a run if they prove it. Okay, I like that, I like that. All right, and then last but not least here, uh, last question for 5A, but uh, your MVP pick. You know, we obviously do uh, end-of-the-year awards and whatnot, and we're all going to vote on those, and then I think we add on a couple voters. We will add on a couple voters this next season. Who is your 5A MVP pick here? Okay, I got three guys. Okay. Austin Madreski. Okay. Logan, reigning MVP. Reigning MVP. You got Logan Madden. And then you have Mason Miller. Okay, okay. Th uh, you could give a reason behind each of those. Oh, well, the the quarterbacks behind what I think are going to be the two best teams in the sport next year. Okay. And then you have... The guy who is a two-way player on what I think is going to be a top five team in the state and has consistently shown that he can produce on both ends of the field on a high-level team. Say less, say less. All right, there you go. All right, so those are – you kind of got, you know, the intro there, but those are the three questions that we're going to ask for each level. You know what I'm saying? So we're just going to keep going down and doing that. Does that sound good? Yep. Say less. All right, so foray here. Uh, who's winning state and why? In 4A, oh, that's tough. Yes. <laughs> mm, okay. As of this very second, I'm going to say Broomfield because of the experience that they have and the amount of guys coming back that I know can contribute on a championship quality team. But there are a bunch of teams that I could see winning it. Okay. Uh, well, then who's a dark horse team you foresee here, potentially? Then, then I'm going to go Windsor, because e even if they're, like, the more arguably realistic version of what of what they can be at, like, a 7-3 and three or an 8-2, defense wins championships, and, again, I think they're going to have the best defense in the state next year. Okay. Fair enough there. And then MVP here. Uh, either Cole Gaddis due to his two-way production or Adrian Rico because, I mean, he was he was going to be top 10 in pass yards last year before he got hurt. And so I could, like, and not just in 4A, but across the entire state. And so I could see Adrian Rico potentially making that jump to become an MVP candidate. Sweet. There you go. 4A is tough. I'm not going to lie. But 3A will also be tough here. So in 3A, who's winning state? Right now, I'll say Lutheran. Just ju just because they have the amount of guys who have championship experience coming back that they do. They have a lot of linemen. They have a star quarterback. They have a star receiver. And ultimately, they just have a bunch of guys who I have a lot of confidence in to be able to win you a playoff game. 
Okay. Even multiple playoff games. <laughs> but, well, well, uh, guys who can do a playoff game that culminates in multiple games. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I got you. All right. Uh, Dark Horse team. There's a lot to pick from here. Severance. Ooh. Uh, reason why? Well, I mean, they have what we talked about earlier in one of the best quarterback-receiver duos in the state. If they make the playoffs, that's the type of connection that I see making them at least Final Four material. The, the only reason I don't have them in this top 10 right now is because like they do have to go out and prove it against other competition, but I know that they have the talent to make that run. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I can respect that. And then MVP pick here in 3A. Uh, Riken Doggard, just because he's going to be the quarterback for what I think is going to be the best team in the state, in 3A at least. Uh, Xavier Ramirez, we talked about him earlier, but he could have a 2,000-yard season. And Grady Forsythe, because he has some of, the, some of the best blocking in the state for a tight end, is one of the best receivers in the state for a tight end, and one of the best edge rushers in the state, period. And so I think that he's the type of guy that could get you really, really good production and basically single-handedly bring a team to the playoffs. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right, uh, let's move on to two-way here. Who do you have winning state and why? Um, it's between Delta and Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth, because of that pissed off factor that I mentioned earlier, but Delta does have the championship experience. I think that Berthoud could also make a really good run because they have uh, a lot of really, really solid players. Um, yeah, ultimately, I think that they are going to have a good chance at th th those three teams, I think, are going to have the best chance at, at winning it. But ultimately, it's a wide open division. Right, right. Okay. Uh, what's a dark horse or underdog team here in two way? Wellington. 100% Wellington. I like that answer for sure. All right. And then MVP pick? Uh, well, I would be remiss if I didn't mention last year's MVP, Cash Altschwager. Uh, but then we also have Trevor Lucero out of Arvada, who should be really solid. Alex Larson out of Berthoud, who had a really good productive season last year. And then a dark horse MVP candidate is Carson Adolph, who the Valley Vikings um, were were kind of close to the playoffs last year. And ultimately, I could see Valley making that jump to being a playoff team this year. And so at the end of the day, I do think that Carson Adolph could power the Vikings to the playoffs. Okay. I respect that. I, I did a season preview not too long ago. I think he's really good as well, for the record. So there you go. All right. Well, uh, last classification here. 1A, who wins state and why? Okay, I'm going to ruffle some feathers with this, but I actually have Holyoke doing that uh, winning state. Oh, right really? I, Lyman, I have second in that. But th thinking about it, Holyoke is just returning so much talent. Like, they're only losing, like, five, six guys in total. And so Holyoke is the type of team where they made a decent playoff run last year. I, th I think that they're going to make that jump headed into this season. Okay, okay, fair enough. Uh, who's a dark horse or, I guess, underdog team in this one? Well, it depends on who proves what, because, like, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, because you have Benning Lewis, who I think has the talent to do it, but it's kind of like Severance, where they haven't made it to that point yet. Uh, you have Centauri, who were the champions a couple of years ago, who seem geared up to make another run. And then, like, true, true Dark Horse, I think Highland does have a pretty good shot when it comes down to it, because that's a team that doesn't lose very much. They have an efficient, effective system. They were able to beat a team like Estes Park last year, and it ultimately comes down to how they're able to progress compared to the other teams in their league. Uh, we will see week one when they open against Ray, who we know they have a proven system. And so week one, we should know, but I, I have faith in the Huskies. Okay, okay, I like it. And then MVP pick, if you had to pick uh, one or a couple here, who are you going with? Uh, okay, I got three here. Uh, Ryland Reitz out of Estes Park. I think that he's going to put up absolutely monster numbers. Um, and I, if Estes Park makes the playoffs as a home team for the first round, I do think that Ryland is going to be a very, very strong MVP candidate. Uh, then we got Logan Botier, who, I mean, he's the quarterback for the reigning champions. I don't... Running back. Oh, uh, we've been recording for for too long. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good, but I get what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, he's the running back for the reigning champions. That's a team that's going to be able to do everything in their power to make it back. And there's no way that Lyman isn't a top three seed when we go into the playoffs, in my mind right now. And so if, he's, if he ends up being the best player on that team that isn't named Trayton Marks, who is another potential MVP candidate, but it's harder because he's a lineman. I see him potentially winning it as well. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, there you go there. Uh, that basically kind of wraps up this interview here. Is there anything else you want to say uh, as we wrap up and whatnot? We have a big season ahead of us here, so. Yeah, I mean, but basically all I got, all I got to say is like, if if any of you guys don't like don't agree with stuff that I say or assessments that I make about your team, that's perfectly all right. I want you to prove me wrong. I want you to be 50 times better than I assume you're going to be. I want you to show me why why your on paper stuff isn't the same as what you can actually do. But I'm just calling it how I see it. I'm not, this isn't out of any malicious intent towards anybody. I'm not out for anybody. I want to see you all succeed. I know what it's like to claw and fight and do what you can to get the best out of your situation. And I want you to get that. And so basically just go out there and prove me wrong. And as long as you're civil about it, I'll be happy for you. Plus, it helps the narrative in what we're doing here on the podcast. So if you do all that, that will help us out as well as you. So there you go there. But, uh, yeah, uh, Gideon, thank you for taking the long time out here to just talk football, man. Talk about this next season. It should be a big one here. Um, and, yeah, man, really appreciate you coming on and doing this little interview here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Always, uh, always a good time to come on. Yep. And that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast. Make sure 
you check out all of our other content as well and follow us and subscribe and like and all that great stuff great stuff there uh, on our social media to know when new content's coming out that's at playmakers corner on facebook instagram tiktok youtube as well and then twitter x i don't know you know i don't know if you've seen that gideon but uh yeah, we're right. at playmaker corner there uh twitter slash x this might this is gonna sound really stupid if elon musk doesn't change twitter to x and, <laughs> you know but you know he is also of the same mindset so there you go there but we're on there too but uh we'll catch you later and hey say hi to us if you see us at games because we will be out there gideon will out, be out there up north for the most part, but uh, you know, there might be some surprises every now and then, so we'll just have to see. Yes, sir. <laughs> but I've been your co-host, Simon Vuyanos, and I will catch you later. Peace.